the jury. The prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. And, I mean, it's beautiful out there. Boy, spring has sprung early, at least uh, yes, for today. Folks, we broadcast live each and every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday. That's from uh, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the Global Star Radio Network. That's the place to be. We're simulcast on Blog Talk Radio, of course, and you can watch us live and by archive on the YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, or the official Hagman and Hagman Report YouTube channel. Team K9, named after our dog, uh, passed away. But anyway, if you go to HagmanHagman.com there, you can get, get to every link, every listening venue, and, uh, and, and watching venue. And don't forget, folks, we've got multiple websites. We've got Hagman and Hagman for the show. We've got Hagman Report for news information. And Rhonda is doing just a fabulous job. Just want to give a kind of a shout out to Rhonda. You know, there's a metric that is used to, to provide you with a variety of news yeah, that really is a, it affects uh, your everyday life. I mean, you can get news about celebrities. or you, I mean, you go to a variety of places. Where, 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 where do you want to stop first? How about HagmanReport.com? Um, definitely put that on your on your favorites. And, of course, uh, uh, my little spot on the Internet, that's uh, Northeast Intelligence Network, and more coming about that later in the week. In information related to that. And I'm Doug Hagman at the helm with fellow investigator Joe Hagman. Together we are the Hagman and Hagman Report, uh, folks. Uh, uh, what I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. One I mentioned before starting out, tonight's, tonight's broadcast brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Folks, you ever have a bad night's sleep on a bad mattress? Huh. <laughs> oh, wow. How about having a great night's sleep on a great mattress that won't break the bank either? Casper Mattress, they're an online retailer of premium mattresses for just a fraction of the price. And what a great, blissful sleep you will get. They use a combination technology. It's um, it's uh, latex memory foam and memory foam. It gives you just the right sink and the right bounce. And uh, two tube technologies, folks. The, the product is made in America by a company that's really a small company, family-owned. I mean, but a, a leader in the mattress industry. More on Casper Mattress later. But be, well, I should say this. Go to casper.com slash CFP Radio. That's casper.com slash CFP Radio. There you'll see. It'll say, Welcome, Hagman and Hagman listeners. And, of course, there's a very special offer. A very special offer there using, if you go to casper.com slash CFP radio, that's casper.com slash CFP radio, and use our coupon code CFP radio, you'll get $50 toward any mattress purchase. Okay, by using that URL, that promo code. Terms and conditions to apply more on that later. But tonight, we've got a great show for you planned. The first two hours, first two hours, or as long as he'll agree to stay to talk about the music of King David, basically frequencies. Your 
mental health and physical health and well-being. This is Michael Terrell, WholeTonesLive.com. That's our little section of Whole Tones Live, WholeTonesLive.com. He's going to be joining us, and his last visit with us was in January. And I've got to tell you, the information uh, that we learned about frequencies and about uh, a number of things, good, bad, and, and just just the amount of information. It was just tremendous, and we just are so excited to have him back. News that we're following just briefly, of course, uh, there's so much news out there. It looks like, um, well, if you depending on which channel you watch, it's rather interesting. The media is painting it up where Trump and uh, Cruz are in a virtual dead heat, and you've got Sanders and, and uh, uh, Hillary on the other side, somewhat less competitive. Uh, I do suspect that uh, the, the South will be the will knock Sanders out. But uh, it's interesting how they're elevating the establishment is elevating tr- um, uh, uh, Cruz, establishment Republicans, uh, fearful of Trump. So it's very interesting, very interesting to watch. You've got, uh, what, four states right now today that are making the decision. And it's uh, we'll be watching that and keeping our eyes on that more as uh, more on that too uh, later, Joe. Yeah, you got um, looks like Missouri, Michigan, Idaho, and Hawaii. If I'm reading that right, that's correct. Will be the four states, and um, as you said, they're making the the race look a lot closer than what the polls show and what they have shown, at least um, a recent. Reuters poll that's up on the Drudge Report has Trump at 40%, Cruz at 23%, Rubio at 14%. And they are, uh, as you said, making it seem a lot closer than what the numbers have shown and what the uh, we've seen from uh, just a majority of sources sure. across the Internet. And, uh, you know, the headline on the big headline on Drudge is Republican exit polls anger. And we see other headlines, uh, you know, GOP leaders meeting in secret to try to stop Trump, figure out how to bring this brokered convention uh, when they meet in Cleveland this summer. And, um, you know, I, I do believe even talking with people, uh, a local business owner here earlier today, he asked, you know, how how is this all going on? How are they, how are they doing this and not being called on it? Uh, really, you know, with the attacking Trump, and he's not even a Trump supporter, but he <laughs> sees the the writing on the wall, and uh, it's hard to watch sometimes. I mean, you know, it's this political theater, and they they do what they do for a reason, and they're trying to bring discord uh, amongst people, especially amongst American citizens. But tonight, I had the uh, pleasure of speaking with our our guest, uh, Mr. Michael Terrell of Holtones live um, sponsor of the show and we're going to get into some interesting stuff today and and we do have uh, Mr. Michael Terrell with us right now his website is wholetoneslive.com that's wholetoneslive.com and Mr. Michael Terrell is his name welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report it's an honor to be back with you Doug and, and Joel and I gotta tell you that um, of all the different um, syndicated shows I've spoken at and the different conferences I can't tell you the last time I remember receiving more loving emails from people. Your listeners are the sweetest, most wonderful people, and I'm not saying that I don't give uh, cheesy 
uh, kudos to people, but I can tell you that daily, since our last time in January, I have got some of the most unbelievable um, letters. Would it be okay if I read two of them real quick? Oh, yeah, please do. Okay, and they love you just as much, if not more. So um, this one uh, is from a lady named Rebecca. I won't give her last name, but... Uh, Dear Doug, I want to thank you so much for having Michael Terrell on and for sharing about Whole Tones. I listened and was very interested, but I didn't get around to downloading it until yesterday. I was so blessed, and when my husband came home, he was so enraptured by it, he just kept raving about how nice it was. We listened to it all this morning, and he said, This may sound funny, but I feel like some kind of disease has left my body, some kind of impurity. Then he said, It feels like in my bones the marrow is getting ministered to. I then told him that it had healing qualities. He suffered from PTS, PTSD, she meant, and, and now only wants to listen to it every day. I personally felt like some sort of blockage left me inside, and I started crying uncontrollably. I know it was healing from our Lord. Thank you for sharing again, and I pray for you and Joe and your show every day. God bless you, Rebecca. And oh. uh, the other one says, Dear Doug and Joe, Thank you so, and there are several O's, much for the books that you sent and also the cool stickers. Believe me, I will use them. I would like to share with you just what your program has done for me. I've listened to you guys for several years now, and I love Pastor Langford, Steve Quayle, and all the other great guests. But a few months ago, you had Michael Terrell on with Whole Tones. Well, let me tell you what happened. I pulled up the samples at work. Now, understand I teach special ed, and the ones that I have to do have very bad disabilities in reading math, but most of all, they have behavioral issues. I have six, seventh, and eighth graders in the evening, and I have just boys. Whew. <laughs> I started playing the open door where I had chaos before. Now there's nothing but calmness and peace. And now even the students remarked on how peacefully my room was. So I ordered the package and downloaded it at home and at school. Students that wanted to fight each other or were just plain lazy, their behavior radically changed. I thank the Lord for you both and for your ministry. God is using your program in a mighty way to help people understand and to have the provision that we need in order to fight the forces that are going to come and are coming against us. No one thing. You have a special education teacher way down in Mississippi that knows, in fact, that Whole Tones works. My boys are my special ed boys are proof of that. I pray for you both and your families to have protection and to be led in whatever path God has for you. Love, Lisa. And that's just two of my goodness, probably a hundred of the loving emails, including one from a high school classmate that I haven't heard from in 30 years that found me by listening to your show. So I uh, I can't say enough about both of you, and I'm honored to uh, not only be on with you tonight, but uh, just to be able to say that I, I think that you guys are uh, an amazing voice for the kingdom. Well, well, thank you very much. And i got to say this, that we're very protective uh, and very protective of our, of our listeners. And um, I, I was approached today to sponsor a product or uh, not sponsor a product or talk about a product on, on there. And uh, I had to decline them. Um, it was, I just, I just couldn't do it, and, and you know I have a policy. We have a policy that we don't we don't talk about anything. For example, we don't sponsor or um, have people sponsor us just for the money. It's it's we have to believe in what they do, and there's a criteria. And you know you perform a service through your music, through your art, through your 
I mean, your your service helps so many people, helping the veterans, helping the people with PTSD, helping um, people like me who are quick to anger. It, you know, I mean, my you know, and I'll tell you something, okay? Um, I can tell the difference. The day before yesterday, or I don't know when it was, I I had a mini meltdown, and uh, you know, but today, putting on whole tones. There's a change, and you can feel it, yeah. you know. Um, but anyway, well, I'm glad. I'm glad of the. I'm glad of the response. But this is a. This is an art and a science, I suppose, right? Absolutely, um, and I think that that the problem. I think a lot of times when we look at those, is we, you know, as a nation, we're so divided right now. It breaks my heart. I mean, you can't say anything on social media without somebody being angry with you and responding in bold caps and. You know, I think that 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 chasm of indifference has caused um, us to perhaps not be as as open-minded and understand that it would be literally impossible for God to have created um, everything that we see without frequency. It would be impossible for us to have a grid on what frequency is without science. And the problem is, is that you have people that are that are Christians that hate science, and you have scientists that hate Christians. And the point is, is that they corroborate each other when done properly. And I understand that, as well as mathematics, too. And the right. problem is is that everybody has become uh, so combative, guys. And, like, it's if we don't understand something, if we're Christians, then we get the manila envelope out and we just put that under the demonic file because we can't explain it. And so, therefore, it must be evil without even <laughs> trying, right? And the same way with, with spiritual things from a scientific standpoint, because if you're just an egghead... You can't, I mean, I remember this guy one time, and it, and it was one of the best things, it was a scientist, and, and, and the guy was talking to the guy about the impossibility of angels, um, the, the possibility of, uh, the impossibility of angels, the creation of angels. And the guy said, well, <laughs> he said, if you have a, if, <laughs> he said, if you have a problem with just an angel feather, you're going to have a real problem with a whole angel. And I think that that's kind of the, the thing that we're, we're so myopic in our, in our view, in our worldview. We're so, there's so much hatred and so much division and so much racism and so much thin-skinned stuff that it's like you said, it's hard for me to watch any of the debates. It's hard for me to, uh, in fact, I will suspend my one Facebook timeline just prior to the election just because it's getting so nasty and ugly out there. But um, people don't understand. We, we, we kind of hinged on this a little bit. But this is all frequency. You can call it what you want to. But the power of life and death is in your tongue. You can speak life or you can speak death. And there's so much noise pollution being broadcast in social media and so much negative, uh, if you will, frequencies or, as they said in the 60s, vibes, man, that are being broadcast, you know, every day that we're choking out the good and we're choking out love and we're choking out hope for people and People are going nuts, man, because they're not getting anything positive into their lives at all. You, you know, you bring up some some very great points. Now, let me ask this at the outset, if I may, here, and kind of set the stage, because here here's how I look at things. God has given us, um, God has given us so many great tools and so many gifts through His creation and sound frequencies. It's one of His creations. And of course, people can pervert that creation if they want, and they do. Sure. 
and you, on the other hand, have done the opposite. You found through your studies with, with the biblical studies and such, um, you you found frequencies that help people. Now, invariably, people will say, "Oh, well, now now wait a second here." Okay, let's talk about chakras. Let's talk about you know uh, the uh, 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 you know yin and yang. And, sure. I mean, it's all new age. And how dare you? Why don't you just sleep with some crystals under your pillow or you know, <laughs> okay? And, and you know, and it, it just amazes me how otherwise sensible and reasonable, rational, and very well informed Christians. Yeah. And God love them. I mean. You know, their intent to me, I, I truly believe they're well intended. But man, somewhere, somewhere along the line, they just kind of go off on, on, on a tangent. So dispel the new age or that, sure. that, you know, if you can, please, or if you would, please. I would be honored to. The first thing that we have to realize is that this that I speak of is old age. And we have a real hard time um, as, you know, as, you know, these. Uh, it's so funny. It's almost like we're linear-based beings, right? Everything is a straight line. It starts here. It goes here. We don't understand how to deal with eternity, which obviously buttresses up against quantum mechanics and physics, and it makes more sense. But people get angry even if I say that. So, if you're if you're considering the Eternals, for example, there's nothing older than what existed before anything existed. Are you with me that far? In other words, mm-hmm. if you have a lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. That's that's quite a uh, cryptic statement. However, it's canon. It's gospel. And if you look at eternity, that there was always something before there was anything. And if you understand that, that very thing appears to us in Logos in the book of Genesis when it says that, you know, that he said, let there be light. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we have to understand, as we mentioned briefly last time, that this was a frequency. This was This was a... It's impossible for us to communicate. It's impossible for us to have this conversation. It's impossible for you to broadcast without frequency. So when God, who, when he speaks once, by the way, fills the sonic spectrum of sound, <laughs> over 22 octaves of sound, my goodness. So, And what's funny is when God's speaking to you sometimes, he, things in other frequency realms can, can appreciate that in the parts that you can't hear. In our human, see, here's the other part about this that dispels it real quick. It says humans, if we can see it, we believe it, right? But there's things way outside of our ability to see that, are, that aren't in our, our eyes' ability to see. In the same way, sonically, the human hearing only employs a little bit of real estate composed to a mole on the bottom or an elephant on the bottom and a bat for existence on the top. Um, we couldn't hear anything that was going on in any of those uh, animal kingdoms whatsoever. Just like when, I remember when I was little, I went to the pet store and it said silent dog whistle. Well, I blew on it and I didn't hear anything, but the dogs were going nuts in the pet store. So to say, oh, there's nothing going on because I can't hear anything. Well, ask the dog. So, yeah, so true. right? So here we are with New Age, okay? It's like, so where did that come from, you know? What's Ancient Age? Well, Ancient Age is that God said it, uh, and that settles it. He spoke it, it was. Um, New Age tends to take the deity away from God. It tends to put it on us. Instead of making the I am, I am, it makes I, I the God. Yes. And so with all of that... When you temper that with, okay, here's a guy that's your new friend that we're speaking with about something that God entrusted me with, I'm nothing special, guys. <laughs> I put my <laughs> pants on just the same way you do. However, what makes us divine 
is God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What makes me special is God. And when people are around me and they are moved or when I speak live and people are sitting on the edge of their chair for two hours and not taking a break, it's because God is speaking to them. And so in the same way tonight, that's what this is really all about, communication. And God has always wanted to, to, to communicate with his creation. And you remember in the Bible it talks about it, 400 years of silence between the Old and New Testament. Here's the thing that people don't think of because we're so, we're so slow to judge ourselves. Was it 400 years of silence because God stopped speaking to man, or was it 400 years of silence because man stopped listening to God? That's the question. Wow. That's the question. And there's not a man on earth that could answer that question. But, but we get that way. We get ambivalent. We get ambivalent with each other. We get ambivalent with God. We shake our little human finger at God, and we speak to him as though he's one of us. And I think the problem, guys, is that people, they believe, you know what, as a pastor for years, people are going to believe what they want to believe. You know, God bless you for your broadcasting and bringing the truth to people, but just because you're doing it doesn't mean people are going to believe it. And I, I can, like, have this track record of 20-some-odd years of integrity, but that doesn't mean anybody's going to buy what I'm selling either. So the point with the, the getting back to the New Age is, is that New Age always has this... Um, I kind of like I say, it's the freak, F-R-E-A-K, in the frequency. There's this freak thing that always tries to hinge on the paranormal, or it, it puts it on, on creations, i.e. crystals. Let's just take that one. The Bible says what? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Do crystals or do semi-precious stones and rocks possess frequency? You bet they do. And if they didn't, that watch on your left hand could not keep time, because that quartz drive in there and make sure that you knew when to call me at 7 o'clock tonight so we can get rolling. That's the point. But if you, take, if you make that stone a deity, now you're talking New Age. If you take the God out of God's creation and you make the creation, the created things the Bible says, God, that's New Age. What I do with whole tones is I say, listen, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. This is a frequency that connects, and God ultimately does all of the healing. People say, well, do you think whole tones will hear this? I say, I don't have a clue. All I can do is read back to you what the hundreds, you know, thousands now of testimonials that people are writing to me telling me what it does when they listen to it. Well, is it the music that's healing them? No. No, it's not the music. The music is the spoonful of sugar. What works is the frequency, and the frequency is something that God created in order to help man. And guess what? There's a lot of things God created to help man. And you know what? Man takes those things and he manipulates those things and uses those things for his own power and for his own um, monetization and capitalism. And then people in the pharmaceutical world decide to take some of those things that God made for us and turn them into drugs that end up with... with uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys... I'm sure you do, but every night, man, it's like you, you see this guy, you know, on these pharmaceutical commercials, and he's sitting in the office with his doctor. All right, let's be honest, guys. How many of you guys ever saw your doctor? You see the doctor's assistant. It makes it look like he's his old pal, and he's sitting there talking with him about his... You know, that you know, if you see a doctor, it's two minutes in and out. Thanks, man. So they they sell this shot of... This particular doctor, and he's nodding his head and got his hand on the guy on the patient's shoulder, and they're talking about his, his medical condition. He's, My doctor thinks that I need this. And then at the end, you've got this thing. 
uh, blah, 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 produces sudden death symptoms of blah, 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 blah. And, the, the, and it's like so you have this lovey you know big time expense commercial selling the dope and then at the end of the story you got a you've got an auctioneer or a hawker that's talking so fast that you turn him off because what he's talking about is the side effects that can kill you and that are often worse than than the actual uh, symptomatic problem in its own right so i guess i said i said all that to say that um Substantiation is a huge word in what you and I do. Everybody wants substantiation. But here's the funny thing, isn't it? You can have somebody in the White House or another person that's running for that same elevated position that has done unbelievable things and atrocities to mankind. And nobody, it's like they don't have to substantiate anything. It's like they're covered with some kind of Teflon and can get away with anything they want and nobody can do anything. Then you have all these people, like yourselves, for example, or I can think of a host of others that they spend their lives and their time trying to do good. The greatest example of this that I could ever mention, who was actually perfect, unlike any of us, was Jesus Christ, who gave his entire life that all mankind could be saved. But isn't that interesting that from Jesus down to each one of us that do good, now they require substantiation. Oh, you can do evil and nobody substantiates it, but as soon as you make a claim of something good, Hundreds of thousands of people are, are getting healed listening to these frequencies. Let's substantiate that. Okay. <laughs> so then, you know, then John Hopkins University does, or a host of doctors does, or somebody, and you know what? It's never enough, is it, guys? So never. finally you get to the point when you say this. It's not my job to prove anything to anybody. It's my job to model the kingdom of God and to offer something that I believe is of God that is helping tens of thousands of people and you know what the thing about Whole Tones is? It's yours. When you get it, it's yours. A lot of things like, oh, you have to buy this, and then you've got to buy this. And if you buy Whole Tones, unless you destroy it somehow, it's yours. There's not many people that do that. The reason is, is that I want you to have something that changes your life and everybody else's around you. And that's the important thing is that, you know, this was created for one simple reason. I love God's people. It was pretty apparent the first time we spoke. I love you too. I want you to be well and whole. I want everybody to be whole. My perfect idea of a perfect world is if there was no sickness and that we could wipe out cancer in our lifetime. To me, that's heaven on earth, is wiping out these diseases that are killing people. Sure. And that's why I spend all my crazy hours, and my, my wife always laughs at me. She said, living with you is like living with Tesla. I'm always working. But, <laughs> but it's good work. It's good oh, yes. work because I'm expecting a good harvest for, for the time that I put in um, researching. So there you go. You know, we had so many people ask us the, the, since you, when you were on last time, uh, how did you isolate, find um, it, the, the the questions were varied, but but the intent of the questions was the same. How did you discover the the, the frequencies and? Um, I mean, how did you just, how did you create what you did? I mean, author Greg Jackson, a frequent guest on our program and just a mm -hmm. prolific author, you know, he sent me an email. He said the other night, man, I, I you know, I mean, he, he took, uh, 
uh, I don't know, he, he, he took uh, sleepy time tea and, uh, you know, did everything he possibly could, could not fall asleep. But uh, your, <laughs> the frequencies that, that you have for that, relax, specifically for that purpose, mm-hmm. he put on, and, and, yeah, he was ultimately able to, to fall asleep. Now, some people might say, well, that's just, you know, a one-off or whatever. Oh, no. But I hear, you know, I look, I hear from people like this all of the time. My wife, who, my goodness, uh, let me tell you something. She, you know, it's like... Um, uh, she, you know, she can't fall asleep many, many nights, and not because of me, although one might make that argument, but that aside, um, <laughs> just kidding, but, you know, <laughs> I guess the, the bottom line question is, how did you, how did you find out what you found out and, okay. and create this? That's, that's a very fair question. Um, well, let me digress to, 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 let me put it in two different categories of how I found it and then how, how it actually happened as far as getting on to, you know, a hard drive recording, how we actually captured it, I think is almost as important. And, you know, most of the, all of this stuff is in, in, in the book that comes with the, uh, the seven disc set, um, whole tones. There's a book called The Sound of Healing and explains all of this in great detail and explains, you know, here's the beauty of things is that when, when God gives you something, if He gives it to you, then you give it away. I don't keep anything back i tell musicians how to do exactly what i'm doing so there could be ten thousand whole tones i mean my goodness can you let me digress to tell you what i've never really told you what my 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 overarching goal is that i want to retune our nation and finally the entire world i want everyone can you imagine listening to muzak in your elevator trip up to your office building and they're even playing uh 444 hertz every day and people are are being as marinated in 444 as they were the caustic uh, a equals 440 hertz since you know the the mm. for the last i don't know you know 100 years but back to your back to your question um there's always times this, and you never know when you're going to stumble upon i mean you guys did i'm i'm with you tonight you're doing what you were created by god to do i mean you found your niche i didn't really know exactly what i was uh, what my magnum opus was you know i didn't have a clue and then um when this came about, I was in Israel. I mean, I was on a trip with a pastor in Israel and um, had no thoughts of, you know, special keys or supernatural frequencies or any of that. I just went on a trip with, with my spiritual father, Don Finto, uh, to do some meetings over in, in, uh, in Israel and to, uh, and to proofread his book, which was called Your People Shall Be My People. And in the midst of all of this, um, one day he made this cryptic statement. He said, I just feel like we're supposed to drive to this coffee house on Ben Yehuda Street in, in Jerusalem. And he said, and a guy that has no idea that we're here, who's my dear friend, is going to show up in that coffee house. And uh, he said, I just think it's a divine appointment. Not To me, that was just like, that was exciting Huck Finn stuff. I didn't know what he was talking about, but I was all over it. It's like, sure, yeah, let's go to somewhere where no one knows we are, and then we're going to find the people we need to find, and it's going to be awesome. And that's exactly what happened in a nutshell. Um, there was a, a, a man that was playing uh, piano in the corner of this coffee house, and he kept staring at me, and it was a little awkward. I didn't really know what was going on. He just kept looking at me and giggling, and I thought, wow, do I look that weird in my hair? What That's is it? You know? <laughs> and uh, the long story short was that this guy was a believer playing worship songs instrumentally in a Hasidic coffee house that was ultra-Orthodox, so they are paying him to play worship music <laughs> in the coffee house, and they had no idea that they were Christian songs because there weren't any words. It was instrumental. 
channel. And so he was giggling because somehow he, he I guess he knew that I was a Christian and I knew what he was up to, that the, the jig was up, as it were. And he came to the table and started talking to me. And, and it was almost like, you know, there's times when you have conversations with people and it's the ho-hum. And there's times when you talk to someone, you know that there's destiny in that in that 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 few minutes of communication and in a nutshell what he said is i've spent my life studying the psalms of david and yeshua said i'm supposed to give you my life's work that you would know what to do with it well that's kind of heavy you know so he said stick around to for my next break if you can and i'm going to go out to my car and give you some stuff and that's how it all started guys he gave me um some manuscripts um and he had translated some of these manuscripts into um a equals 440 because he didn't know better i guess and uh and so when I got back to the States and I played it, I didn't sense anything special about what he had given me. And I filed it away in the office for two years. And then, as the book says, one day I I got out and I uh, I got my old Bible out and I opened it up and it turned to page uh, 222. And I thought, that's interesting. I know what that means. It means God's sufficiency in the midst of man's insufficiency. But... If there, I said, if there is anything about David on that page, because my Bible just opened up, you know, I didn't like thumb through it, it just opened up there, and I said, if there's anything about David on there, I'm going to lose my mind, and I read all the way down, and there was a genealogy, and it said, uh, and David, the son of Jesse, and I went, no, it can't be this easy, it was like God was, it was like God speaking to a son and remezzing with him, you know, he's like, not answering my questions, but asking questions that made me dig deeper until finally I just said, could it really be that simple? All these years I've been looking. If I just double 222, could it really be that A equals 444 hertz? And that was the beginning of, that's the, so I reinterpreted the uh, manuscripts that David had given me and um, and found that, that from my, now again, how could anyone prove any of this? I can't prove this, can you? I can't prove that God exists. I can do a really compelling job trying but I can't. All I can do is say this, by their fruit you shall know them. That's the only way. It's by people using discernment. And so when that happens, I knew that guy was of the Lord, and I had a feeling that when I started playing in this key that things were going to happen. And I can only say, guys, now that tens, hundreds of thousands of people's lives have been changed from seven simple notes that no one heard before. And uh, so that's how it started. Do you have time for me to tell you how we captured it? Yes, please. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So typically, in I mean, most musicians will tell you, there's a typical way of recording. You know, when you go into a recording studio, um, there's music, for starters. It really helps. There's lead sheets. You know, somebody takes the time to write a song and then print up the lead sheets with chords and and has all of those particular things marked in there as you know from tempo to uh dynamics to start finish all that good stuff so the so the studio players depend if you're in Nashville it works off the number system if you're anywhere else it works off notes but um you furnish your musicians with the music and then because they're good players you know they turn their little egg timers as soon as the first downbeat starts and they're getting paid by the hour you know union scale double scale triple scale so here I am with this information, and and the only and and it, and it was so crazy because my wife and I drove to Dallas with all my equipment, you know, from Florida, and uh, and I'm trying to write songs, and nothing's happening at all, and I'm getting not frustrated but more scared because I'm thinking, 
we're about 10 hours away from Dallas, and I don't know what I'm going to tell these boys, you know. And so it got to the point where when we got to the studio, I walked in, and they were, all looked at me with the, well, what are we doing, you know. And uh, I, I, I broke down. I just told them. I cried, and I said, guys, listen, I got nothing. All I know is that the Lord told me to listen to these frequencies and there was music in there and I could go in after it and get it. It's like going down in a well. There's something in here. And and I, when I hear it, though, I said, I'm going to start barking out directions and I want you to get on your instrument and start doing what I tell you to do. But for right now, just pray for me. And they looked at me and I said, you're getting paid right now. The, turn your ticker on. You're get, don't worry. <laughs> but I'm, I said, I'm just telling you, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think, guys, in retrospect, that that it wasn't like it wasn't false humility it was it was organic it was like i don't know what i'm doing i should know i've done this my whole life but i this is something new and here's the kicker in this recording studio that was called the noise vault um there is no windows and there's also um only iso booths which is like they look like little closets with a door that closes and and you can't see the other musicians in there they're soundproof and so all of us were in our little <laughs> cubicles, and then Sunday the keyboard player was out in the main room, and so we had no line of sight of each other, and suddenly we just started playing, and this music started coming out. And I was having a hard time not sniffling because I had a live microphone on my acoustic guitar. I was having a hard time not sniffling because I felt God's presence so strong, and I was breaking down, and we kept playing, and so... Right around, you know, I guess probably I, we didn't have any watch. I didn't have a watch, obviously, because I don't wear a watch when I play guitar, and we didn't have any clocks and couldn't see each other. And all of a sudden, I, I saw the um, the guy, uh, the engineer in the in the control room through the glass, just going bonkers in the control room. So I didn't know if something good was happening, something bad was happening. Anyway, long story short, the song ends. He comes flying out and he goes, "You got to hear this! You got to hear this! You got to hear this!" He goes, "It was two, 22 minutes and 22 seconds, exactly long." <laughs> and I said, "Well, what is it?" And he said, "It's the most glorious thing." I've, and he started weeping. And he wasn't that kind of a guy, you know. He's a real stoic kind of. And that was the beginning of that. That happened seven times without us being able to see each other, feel anything other than God. And, and when you listen to whole tones, and I know you have, it sounds like it's being conducted, but not by man. Everyone knew, the drummer knew what to do and when to come in, when to go out. We knew it. We stopped on a dime. We'd start again without anybody telling anybody what to do and no music. So, how is that, you know, how, really, how is that even possible without, without the hand of God? I mean, it's not. It, exactly. If you're not in the spirit, there's no flow. You're not going to get anything. <laughs> you're just going to think and there's nothing in there. <laughs> oh man! Wow, that, yeah. what an incredible story. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You, you know now a lot of a lot of people are not. A, I mean, we we hear the terms uh, militarization of music. <laughs> when you were on last time, we kind of touched on this. A lot of people yep. don't. You know, it's 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 like well, the history of music, the history of frequency, and and how and how it's being used as a, as a weapon, and and it's being militarized, just as there is, uh, uh, you know. What you're doing for good, uh, the enemy is doing for bad. Absolutely. You, you know, if you just want to touch on this, uh, just a, a, just only kind of to, just a, as a historical in a historical context, because I think it's important for people to understand that, uh, you know, the uh, British what was it, the British uh, Standard Insti uh, Institute back in the you know, what was it uh, around the World War Two time established mm -hmm. the A equals the 440 hertz uh, standard. Uh, anyway, um, 
this has a, it's a rich history and it's an important history if we if we are to understand what's taking place today and how we can through your through whole tones live how we can offset that attack the spiritual attack and even physical attacks on us today so if you could, if you could t- you know tell us the negative and we can we can go from the you know go into the positive sure yeah and, I, and you guys have to moderate me because i can go for hours here and i I, I want you to, uh, you, you have a format and there's, when we get probably into some point of, uh, of this, it, it will probably go on for a bit because I, we didn't talk about last time about, um, these particular elements and there's so much going on in our world today that connects, especially HARP in Alaska and other things that we probably need to bring up. But just for starters, um, I think probably the most compelling evidence, even more than 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 what the British actually posted, which was a lot more benign, was was Joseph Goebbels' use of uh, A equals 440 hertz from the German radio beat was the was the game changer, and um, also it was kind of the thing that you know when you guys go down that well sometimes, and you know you, we're trying to find the difference between a conspiracy and just a hoax, and when you find out that you really tapped into something that's legit. Uh, it makes your hair stand up. And when I, you know, initially asked that question that kind of opened the door for whole tones was, why when you go to a music store and they sell you a tuner, why is it calibrated to A equals 440 hertz? Because I knew when I traveled to other countries and played music with other musicians, when I tuned to our tuner, it wasn't in tune with them. And it was pretty quick that I found out that other countries use different types of frequencies for tuning. Um, but the most I think that, like I said, the thing that was a game changer for me was when I did the research on Joseph Goebbels and the German radio beat and how, you know, obviously with, with uh, Dr. Mengele as well, that everything they did was centered around uh, mind control, torture, manipulation. Um, and so even the frequencies, is, you know, people don't really understand that the Nazis were really uh, on the cutting edge of so many different uh, powerful discoveries, however, all of them were for, for evil. And it's, it's really sad. Even some of the, the, the things that, uh, with some of Tesla's research and some of the things that they did with, uh, toroidal transformers and, and stuff that was really, could have created machines that would have given all of, uh, of Germany free electricity. They use this for, for, uh, for weaponry. But anyway, uh, not to digress, but, but, uh, technically what, what, what they did then was that they knew that if they use this A equals 440 hertz, this frequency, that it goes against our normal wiring and from the genius of God of how we were wired, which has to do with gravity, which has to do with our, uh, circadian rhythm, which controls the pineal gland. So many different parts of our physical Physiology um, are suspect with this frequency, and so during wartime, Joseph Goebbels thought that it was so important that basically, you know, like the New World Order, his his whole be in his bonnet was to tune the whole world to 440 hertz, and uh, he tried with all of his might to get France, Italy, Spain, uh, different parts of the world to uh, to um, come into this this uh, standard tuning process which everybody would, you know, music would be the same everywhere around the world. And nobody would agree with him. And there's only two countries at the end of the day that did. And unfortunately, it was the United States of America and Canada. And mm. they adopted a, a, a faux 
standard tuning. There is no standard tuning. If anyone tells you there's a standard tuning, they are lying to you. If you go to Leningrad, it's 444 hertz. If you go to Venice, it's anywhere between 441 and 460. If you go to certain uh, parts of, of Germany and Austria, England, it's 432 hertz. Um, interesting note, though, the only American symphony to convert to 444 did so four years ago, and it's the Boston Pop Symphony. And they didn't give an explanation, but I can tell you one thing. If you go see the Boston Pops and you go see the Philadelphia Philharmonic, what you feel will be completely different. So, uh, in, in essence... If Nazi Germany thought that it was so important during wartime when they were conducting experiments on human bodies and, and beloved Jewish people using them as utilitarian devices to test their ilk and evil on, how important are frequencies? How, how can they be manipulated for evil? Well, the power of life and death is in the tongue. I can do incredible things to... I could tell your viewers, and I will right now, I love you. And you're going to get people emailing, you're going to say, oh my gosh, he really does. How is that possible? And in the same way, if I felt it and I said the other way, but I won't, you know, the H-A-T-E word, they would feel this knot and sickness in their stomach because there's power in what we say and what we carry. It's so powerful. And we could change the world if we could only speak love, if we could only speak good. You know, I had somebody tell me the other day, they said, you know, I think the first guy that ever starts the Good News Network would have something bigger than Fox. And I have to agree, I'm so tired of all of this negativity because I know what it accomplishes. I know what it creates in the body. I know that bitterness causes cancer. And and the Germans knew if they could harness this negative frequency and make it a musical mandate, a militarization, as you put it so brilliantly, a, a weaponry of frequency through music and the arts that they literally could sweep through the world with evil and ilk. And, and all that being said, guys, for many, many, all of our lifetimes so far, the predominant musical frequency we hear on the radio, in the elevator, in, the, in you know, Walmart, in the malls, in shopping centers, in the movie theaters, primarily is recorded in A equals 440 hertz. And so it stands to reason that if somebody as wicked as Joseph Goebbels' mandate was to completely retune the world with 440, you can understand why my, my life work for how many days God blesses me with on the earth is to retune this whole big blue marble to 444 hertz and to see healing spread through the nations like the waters cover the sea. Amen. And it's, it's, so, it's so important for people to understand that, you know, music, in, in particular, when, when we say music, I, I, we can almost interchange... Well, in this case, in this conversation, we can interchange music with frequency, but uh, certain frequencies cause antisocial conditions. You know, it's it's interesting, and, and I, I see this taking place, Joe, and I see this every day, where antisocial conditions in humanity, they're being stoked through a very uh, subliminal, uh, is that the right word, yeah. you know, means, mm -hmm. I guess. Okay, and and people don't know they're being they're being managed. Subliminal subconscious. They're being manipulated. Yeah. Right, and they're right. subjecting themselves to this manipulation unknowingly yeah. in many cases. Yeah, and I mean, people. I, I I was working on a project and I just finished this, and uh, one of the statements I made um, and I wrote is, you know, if people knew that there was a different world to go out there than than what you know the the average mm -hmm. nine to five. 
if people really knew the depth of the evil, the depth of the scheming and the plotting and the planning that's being imposed upon humanity today, whether it's the elections or whether it's sure social networking. Oh, you know, well, why why is everyone so angry today? Well, they're, we are all being gamed. We're well, being I, worn know. out. Yes, Doug. yes. We're being Very. worn out. Do you want to go there real quick? Or? Sure. Okay. So I've been listening to a lot of the, the posts lately um, about these mysterious sounds that people are hearing around the world. Some of them have even called it Gideon's trumpet. There's the... Um, the whale sounds and the underwater sounds and the sounds from the celestial galaxies and then certain, you know, crowned heads of the scientific community saying that it's either, you know, a supernova, uh, a, I mean, from one thing to another, or aliens, I'll just throw out that one for fun, or aliens, or, you know. And what's really interesting to me is that, you know, like I said, what's great about me is God. I'm just an average Joe. However, there's certain things that are, Inarguable, And one of them is frequency realm and the address, or in other words, where frequencies live. So when you're looking at one of the things, I mean, I can listen to everybody talk about all of this stuff, but there's elemental properties and frequencies that are so easily defined and discerned. And the first one is, I mentioned this last time, I think it's really important for our listeners. When you look at old school analog equipment, you had bass, mid, and treble. You know, now of course we have, you know, parametric EQs and all kinds of ways to split the frequencies between those and, you know, get the sweet spot um, of your audio needs <laughs> and, you know, for your music at home. But the bottom line is it basically breaks down into three, bass, mid, and treble. In the same way in our, in our, in the, the human economy of our hearing, um, certain frequencies affect certain parts of the human body. Hence, um, you talked about this just a few minutes ago, but in some of the Eastern Bloc nations and in uh, some countries, for years they've been running between 33 and 40 hertz below, you know, uh, downtown through speakers to keep the people, like, it, it, worn out. What it, Those frequencies affect the... You know what it's like? It's like getting a whole bunch of, like, little quick rabbit punches to the gut. It just wears the man out, mm. the woman out. And they use that, again, it's another form of crowd control. It's a, if you spend any time uh, in Russia or some of these countries, you realize that there's a, a depression there that's more than just the social economic climate or communism or whatever. There's something going on, and most of what's going on is the inherent frequencies that they run downtown day after day through loudspeakers every day. You don't get a break. They run it through some of the hum of their television sets. Um, it's so powerful, but people people don't understand that. So when you realize that that let's plus minus thirty hertz to the hundred so and so hertz realms, that's predominantly body physical. Hence, if you listen to this is funny. Some of you guys are going to get it right away. You're driving downtown, and a guy pulls up next to you in his hoopty. And there's so much low-end bass that it's, it's making you shake in your chair and your, you know what I mean? Your glove compartment opens up. It's just, you know, and, and, you're, and it doesn't make you happy, though. It agitates you. Well, the point is, is that it's only physical. And so it's assaulting your body with sub-frequencies that your body doesn't need. And so it rebels and it repels those frequencies. But it definitely is, in other words, so we're hearing all of these frequencies from beyond and from the deep space and from deep sea. And they're all like between 30 and 100 hertz. And I'm saying, guess what, guys? These are physiological things. 
Phenomena? Sure, because the only reason it's a phenomena is because we don't exactly know what's causing it. What if it's a fissure underneath, the, you know, or some, you know, tectonic plate? Or, so who knows? But it's not spiritual, and that's what I'm getting at. So let's move on. So then your next set of frequencies, um, you know, 1K hertz in the, what we would call the mid-range. If we were musicians, it would be the cello. It would be Yo-Yo Ma playing uh, in Carnegie Hall, and he hits three notes, and you're crying like a girl. That range, which does what? Affects the soul, thought, will, emotions. And so when you're dealing with mid-range frequencies, you've moved out of the body and more into the feeler, the heart of the man or woman, the part that makes you emote, makes you cry, makes you laugh, makes you jump, makes you sick. Um, so certain elements, you know, I'm not seeing any of these things so much in that realm. And then we get to the best part, which is the treble, or what I would call in the man, you know, body, soul, spirit, the spiritual side. Spiritual things operate at such a high level of frequency. Uh, my goodness. And if you think about it, and here's the fun part. Let's have fun. All right. So what does the Bible say? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, I have perfected praise. Have you ever listened to an infant's heartbeat on a sonogram? Oh. Right? Doesn't sound like yours or mine, does it? No. 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 Because why? Because the frequency realm is totally different. When that baby is like... <laughs> Their very first sounds are these unbelievably high-pitched little, you know, little frequencies and stuff. Why? It's really simple. Innocence has the sound of heaven. It's beautiful. Little babies haven't, they haven't come into this world and be fully defiled by all the junk and garbage that hangs on us every day through one political debate. The baby just comes here and, you know what I mean, it's fresh out of heaven. And so... Part of what comes with a child, I mean, and please, listeners, don't say I'm saying that babies aren't without Adamic sin. We don't have to go into theology. I'm simply saying that when a baby comes, the baby's elemental creation, everything is high. For example, if you take a rubber band right now, okay, and you hold both ends of it and you let it be kind of limp and you pluck it with your finger, it's going to go dong, 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 dong. That is low-end frequency. The tighter you make that rubber band, the higher the pitch is going to be. Can you imagine the size of a baby's vocal cord compared to Doug's vocal cords? There's no comparison. <laughs> so here's the amazing part is that um, children can scream and never go hoarse, moms, right? <laughs> when they're babies, they just <laughs> scream and scream and scream and scream. Why? Because it's their tessitura. It's their natural sonic real estate where their voice really is you know when a baby goes hoarse the first time when it tries to emulate the sound of his father's voice think about it then he stretches his little vocal cord to try to make it do something daddy's voice does and the baby loses his voice because he was trying to emulate another voice and in wow. Bible history, we have this too, don't we? You sound like <laughs> right you you sound Jacob and Esau. Yeah. You sound like one, but you smell like the other, <laughs> right? He changed his, 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 his you know, his, 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 the father couldn't see him, so he changed himself so he would rip off a blessing. That's when we grow hoarse, and that's when things go wrong in our lives, and we try to be something we're not. Or when, can you imagine if there was a cardinal and he saw a robin that's and true. said, Man, I wish I could sing like the robin, and the cardinal tried to sing like the robin. We're not even as smart as birds. We can't stay in our own lane. We always want what the other guy has. The Hold that thought, Michael. We're yeah. at the top of the hour break. 
We'll be right back after these short messages. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to hour number two of this Tuesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are joined with Whole Tones creator Michael Terrell. We're going to get back to him in just a minute. Just want to um, have a couple quick uh, announcements we want to make. Um, the Hear the Watchman conference, March 18th, 19th, and 20th in Dallas, Texas. You can go to hearthewatchman.com. Um, they have tickets on sale. It's $50 off your tickets if you enter the promo code HAGMAN. Also available on the website. If you look on the right-hand side uh, of the website, there's a schedule all the way to the far right, which I've seen a few people email about. And there's also under that a live stream option where you can uh, order this live stream option for $29 and watch the conference from the comfort of your own home if you're unable to attend personally. And if I was unable to attend and we weren't going, this is definitely the option I would choose as we've uh, watched the live stream uh, on other conferences that we've been unable to attend. Uh, but this is the best way to to be there without actually being there. And, and so, you know, we hope to meet so many people there, Joe. Yeah. We really do. Promo code HAGMAN when purchasing your tickets. This uh, deal is good till next Monday, as well as the live stream link on the right-hand side of the website, as well as the schedule. The schedule's update, updated there and ready to go. That's right. And, and again, our special guest, Mr. Michael Terrell, um, wholetonesalive.com. I have mine on 8-track, folks. That's how, <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, 8-track, um, that's the way to go. That's the technology of the future. Let me, I'm, I'm telling you. Anyway, welcome back, sir. Let's uh, let, let the spirit, and I mean that, let the spirit, take you where you want to go right now. Oh, I, and, I, and I know you do. That's why I love being with you guys. Uh, just to finish that last statement, because my wife accuses me of being like a fire hose. She said, man, you stand in front of you when you're talking, and it's just like, it's this amazing God assault. And, you know, so we were talking, I just want to finish that last statement, was I said, can you imagine if a cardinal was singing in the backyard, and there was a robin in another tree, and the cardinal heard the robin's voice and said, wow, I wish I was a robin. I'm going to try to sing like the robin. The animal kingdom is smart enough to know that there's a lane that each of us have and you run in it. And But we as humans have this crazy, everybody wants to be somebody else, you know. And I think it's so right. important that, um, and this is, uh, you know, a major digression from our point, but I think it's important from someone for someone who's listening right now is dealing with an identity crisis that you have to realize that you were supernaturally created by God to be exactly the way that you are. And when you look in the mirror, you can't stand what you see, but but you, in God's mind, you're the apple of his eye, and you have to be able to live your life, and, and you will live a life and not just an existence. If you can get to the point where you say, I don't want to be like anyone else in the whole world. I love how God's made me, and I praise God for who I've become. That's a beautiful thing, and this world tries to make you feel like you're egocentric if you ever say you love yourself. I'm telling you as your new friend tonight, if you don't love yourself, you won't be able to love anyone else. You have to start at home. You have to be able to see Christ in you. You have to be able to see what a miracle you are when you look in the mirror, and you have to be able to leave the home every 
day and be able to give that love to other people. You have to. If you're ever going to bring healing, if you're ever going to bring light, you have to be able to be someone that not only talks about Jesus but walks it out when they when they leave the house every day. So um, I don't know who that's for, but I felt God on it. Um, we were talking about um, something that was really important before before we left, which was the militarization of of music, and I find it fascinating that on the positive side of the scale, that King David was a military man, and I love how God, in the genius of God, he gave this unbelievable key to a man that was as good with his with his kinor or his harp as he was with a spear and a javelin and a sword, and I think it's such an important thing for us to realize as we go on today, and I, I want these guys to tell me what they want to talk about, but I just want to finish this little piece by saying this, is that I think it's imperative that we realize that as bad as things are under this drop ceiling uh, that we experience every day, which we think Washington is really the tip top of everything, but really if you push a little, you'll see it's just the drop ceiling, and above it is the expanse of heaven and the kingdom of God, which that government rests squarely upon the shoulders of one perfect man. And uh, to say all that is that with all of this stuff that we deal with every single day, and it's real, and the stuff these guys report, it's real stuff. But you have to temper that every day with realizing that all that exists under under man's threshold. But just above that, if you'll just open your eyes, you'll see that there's a perfect kingdom and a man who's in charge of everything. And there's only one power. There's many forces in this world, as you know, but there's only one power. And in the end, the government rests upon the shoulders of that one power. Isn't that interesting? Many forces, but only one power. <laughs> that's one absolute. That's yeah, let's put it this way. If he's almighty, that doesn't leave much mighty for anyone else now, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Oh, that, that yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, wow. Well, go ahead. Oh, sure. Okay. Were, I, I didn't know if you wanted to read some of those things that you read to me earlier. If you want me just to go and move on to the next level of uh, of what I see happening as far as the military with all of this. Yeah, if we could uh, continue on just the, as far as you want to go with the militarization of, okay. of sound sure. and the sound weapons. And, and this is something you and I talked a little bit sure. before the show on. Uh, yeah. You know, we see these new sound weapons being deployed at that big protest from you know the G8 in Pittsburgh, which was one of the big rollouts in 2008, and uh, we know how you know going back to the Civil War and the Revolutionary War, you had you know drummers and, and uh, kind of the same thing with marching bands and, and football. Uh, you have this this correlation between music and these uh, war or uh, tribal type um, mentalities, and we see that the government and the military are now you know using the these new uh, frequency technologies to uh, dispel crowds and how far can this weaponry go well i mean the sky's the limit i I think it's so so brilliant that you brought up that point me being irish um you know, I don't have to tell many of you that the Piper was one of the most feared parts of any <laughs> any Celtic <laughs> army, man. They'd come out with the pipes and scare the fool out of everybody long before anyone drew a sword. You know, there's such a... You love them or hate them. I love the pipes. Some people think they're shrill and ugly. I think it's heaven on earth. But, you know, again, there there is that propensity for people to want to lead. Uh, and it, and it's, it goes back to as early as we can find in the gospel as well. But to start their army with some semblance of, of music. We know for a fact that King David carried his kinor 
his his basically a key, you know people call it a harp but technically a harp was a, a completely different type of instrument that had a fixed position in the sanctuary and was used only for times of worship the kinor was more in line with a with a guitar you you strap to your back and carry with you the kinor was a 10 string instrument that was also known as a jubilee harp that you could actually transport with you wherever you go and david always i don't think there was too many times when david was within an arm's distance uh, without his his harp, that is, and Psalm uh, I'll never forget this. In, in uh, Psalm 23, you have to you have to think about what's really going on. You have to think about that that he wrote Psalm 23 on a battlefield. One of the most peaceful psalms was written in the midst of a absolutely caustic war. And it's so funny that you can almost see, if you can open your eyes, you could see David fending off assailants with his sword and talking to God at the same time. And God says, David, lay down. And David's saying, oh, really, right now? Are you sure about that, Lord? David, lay down. Put your sword down. Lay down. Trust me. Lay down on green pastures. Listen to the sound, the frequency of the still waters. I want to bring peace to your soul. You're freaking out right now. It's not your battle, buddy. It's mine. I got you. Lay down. Disarm yourself. Do the opposite of what you think you need to do. Lay down. I want to restore your soul, your thought, your will, your emotions. Lay down in the grass and let me fight for you, son. Let me show you how this really works. And I think that um, that all of these things that we see, like in Harp in Alaska, for example, and some of these, uh, you know, we see sudden disappearances of certain types of bees, for example, and there's no end to what you can do with frequency because frequency was at the beginning, see? So <laughs> you have to realize, first of all, like I said, the vibration of the tongue. With that vibration, you can either do what the Bible says, that you can set things on fire. You could, you could turn the, you know, your tongue's a little, it's just a little organ, but yet it boasts of great things. It could turn the rudder of a great ship. What you say with your mouth is what becomes. You can either speak life or death. And you know what? People that have death on their mind know how to manipulate frequencies and make them do their bidding. As Joe mentioned, there is all kinds of... He asked me some questions before. I can't really say much on the air, but I can tell you that many of these weapons already exist that are frequency-based weapons that, you know, people remember uh, uh, Nikola Tesla. You know, people say, oh, how could you be a Christian and lo love him? I love everything that's awesome that God does and everyone that he creates. I mean, he loves everyone he creates, or, or John 3.16 wouldn't work. He loves the whole world, man. <laughs> That's why he gave Jesus, because he was the only one that could do anything about the condition of the whole world. But uh, he created something that, that, that the, the government decided could become a death ray, if you remember. Remember that? And there's frequency machines that, like a neutron bomb that could kill someone in their bedroom without destroying the structure. It's very interesting how that works. And, um, you know, I think it's also indicative of... When they created HARP in Alaska and several other installations, I'm told now, it's amazing the level of security that was assembled around that gigantic uh, space that they've they bought and purchased there and, and and have set up there. And I will call it a weapon. But here's what I find fascinating once again. Yes, there is always good and evil that can be done with anything but frequency is no different than it because everything what let's let's just put simple physics um at rest everything has a frequency and everything has a resonant frequency for example if i'm in a certain room and i have the amplitude and the ability i can shake that room with the with the music that i play i have to find out what the resonant frequency is of that room now 
You remember a man named Royal Rife. A lot of you guys, I know right now I can almost hear everybody going, oh, yeah, Royal Rife found the cure to cancer, and they killed him for it, and it was frequency, because Royal Rife knew what the atomic weight was of all the organs in our body. If he could resonate it, he could bring healing to it. It's simple, and hmm. it could be, all these things could be done so simple, but then guess what happened? Big pharmaceutical would be out of a job. And they, by the way, they like to kill people that find cures that people want to give away. They like to kill people that want to give away free electricity. They like to kill people that love so hard that they don't want anything in return for the love. And that's what, that's, that is the tension that we live with. But here's the good news. For years and years, people have always talked about, you know, the things that men do that instill fear in the hearts of men. And I've always seen in the Bible God say just the opposite. You know, I've always seen him put the impetus upon the kingdom of God and upon him. And some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. Did you ever think about the name of the Lord? Did that ever run across your grid for a minute? That it doesn't matter. Here's a great truth. It doesn't matter what language you say the word Jesus in. It still creates the same exact image in frozen water crystals and has the same power in every dialect. Isn't that amazing? It says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It doesn't matter if it's Sanskrit, Hindi. It doesn't matter if it's Chinese, Lebanese, Colombian, Cuban. When you say that name in any dialect, it has the same profound effect because Jesus, I mean, God said, I have placed all domain or all divinity into the name, the frequency of the name of Jesus. And it's a fact. So we talk about weaponry. Here's some weaponry. You want to talk about harp? I got some harp for you. Book of Revelation, chapter 14. The Lamb will stand upon Mount Zion. The gospel will be restored in the last days by angelic ministry. The Son of Man will harvest the earth. Here we go. And I looked, and lo, a Lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his Father's name written in their foreheads. That's Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Wrong. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters. What? I heard a voice from heaven as a voice of many waters. Did you know that the only thing that we have physical on the earth that fills the sonic spectrum of sound, over 22 octaves of sound, guess what it is? Guess. Water. Mm. Come on. Oh. What's a big waterfall in the United States? Niagara, Niagara Falls. Ah, Niagara Falls. put a parabolic yeah. microphone at the base of Niagara Falls, and guess what you have? The sound of many waters. Ah, all of them. So I looked, okay, and I, there was 144,000 of these people having their father's name written in the forehead. Then I heard a voice from heaven, the sound of many waters, as a voice of great thunder. I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. You want to talk about harp? Here's 144,000, but they're not who you thought they were, are they? They're some special forces, aren't they? And, no, and the Bible says that nothing can withstand them on the earth. And what are they doing? They're singing and playing harps. And they sung as if it were a new song before the throne and before four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Now, 
You want to talk about some weaponry? Well, for every negative frequency, can you imagine the power of the positive frequency? What about 144,000 who had their voices and their harps tuned to, to particular frequencies? And when they sang and played, there was nothing that man had created as far as weaponry on the earth at this time that could stand before them. They were a force field of epic proportion. Out of the purity of heart, they had not defiled themselves, but they came from the earth. They were redeemed from the earth, and there was 144,000 of these worshipers, and nobody could stop them. So for everything wicked that we know about, for everything that man does, you know, everything of God's that he puts his little sticky M&M fingerprints on, <laughs> there is something divine that, uh, that's been a construct above this drop ceiling of humanity that we think is the tip-top, which is really the downside up of the truth, which is the kingdom of God. What we find out all of a sudden that there's weaponry that comes out of the love of a father that far surpasses anything that comes out of the hatred of man that will be unleashed on this earth right when we think it's all over. Oh, it's just really begun. My goodness, okay. That Now that's some perspective for you folks. Mm. There's only one power. I wish I could shout it from a rooftop. There's so many forces, but in the end, there's only one supremacy, only one absolute, only one almighty, only one perfect no matter how powerful these forces are that assail against us today, no matter how the wars and rumors of wars and, and, and political pundits and hatred and garbage ensues, <coughs> above the din of all of man's insanity and evil, there's a beautiful sound. There's a frequency of love that comes straight from the mouth of the Father, and he declares life over all of his people. There's always that balance that with everything that we have to talk about, and we have to talk about it. I mean, yes. I mean look at the Bible. Did Joseph talk about it? Of course he did. They all mm -hmm. talked about it because God spoke to them and warned them. That's why there's watchmen on the wall. However, the watchman also has to decree the supremacy of God, and in the, in, in the midst of 222, in the midst of man's insufficiency, God still remains sufficient. That's the, that's the message. We have to be vigilant. We have to watch. We have to talk about these things. We may be dealing with these things. But in the end, our Father is in control. And that's oh, where the balance. That's the balance. That's right. Man. Again, very profound and much, much needed to our audience and to us as well. It's... Uh, I don't. I don't know. It, 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 to me, this is intellectually stimulating. It, this is not mere. To me, it's not not entertainment. It's it's in, it's stimulating. It's it's information that we need to know. And, and I go back to thinking about about man, and and of course, you know how man has really perverted things and how mm. God's creation, but. But then I realize that, that you know we, we being created in God's image. I mean, our DNA has has a, a frequency, correct? Exactly. I mean, and I guess we could say that we communicate through prayer to God using that frequency or series of frequencies or that frequency that 
help me out here. How do we? Sure. How does well that look at look at what's happening now? This is this is it's just funny. I mean, right now we're being led. That, I mean, what a what a great intro. Think about this. Okay, so everybody says right now, regardless of what you do, you have to be the master of social media. But what's funny is social media is construed as communication. But in the true definition of communication, God created what? Two ears. <laughs> a mouth and two eyes. Okay, so what do you actually employ when you're communicating, close quotes, on social media? Are you using your ears? No. Are you using your mouth? No. If you want to shout at somebody, you just do it in bold caps. That's not communication. That's digital communication or pseudo commission. It's, it's, it's as real as the friends that aren't really your friends on Facebook. <laughs> They're just virtual friends. Just like you can't hug somebody on Facebook, but you can send them a virtual hug or a virtual cappuccino. We have no, lost no, the no. human touch in our generation, and it's killing us. We've lost the ability to do what God... Listen, if we can go back and we can be totally objective, and we can say, wow, God put two eyes in the front of my head and a mouth in the middle and two ears pointing forward to some degree in a parabolic stasis. So... I guess in essence I was supposed to be facing another being that, that had the same equipment and then, then we could exchange information and when it's, these frequencies are coming, exuding from my mouth, they're entering into their receivers, the ears on both sides of their head and then it comes back and forth and our eyes are telling each other if we're receiving understanding and, 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 and how we utilize that information. But see, when we move past the place of human touch embrace, um, uh, transference of, of mono a mono face-to-face conversation and it's simply with a handheld device or a computer for example we have to do that because our society and our culture demands it however if we think that that's truly communicating then we've lost the art of communication 100 percent because God, when God, there was none of this when God created man, and God created man to talk to each other. You know, when I talk about whole tones on the air, I know, there's no, you don't have to tell me, I know that on your broadcast right now people are being touched, but why? Because you do have to use your ears at least, don't you? You do. You have to use your ears and sometimes your eyes to be able to get a, a, an Hagman and Hagman report. So we are using some form of, radio is still communication. However, there's nothing better in the world than the day when I get to sit down at a table with Doug and Joe over a coffee or whatever your preference might be, and we get to look in each other's eyes and we get to talk. And then you know what happens? Inevitably, all three of us are sharpened through that conversation. There will be an emotional transference. We'll probably cry. We'll have some sort of an experience because we were created to be together. Everything there is in our culture is dividing us and pulling us apart and polarizing us. And, you know, I said something, you know, a year ago and, and every, on Facebook. It was like 500 hits on it. I was like, what was so profound about that? I know now. It, it, and it was this. I said, <laughs> um, uh, how did I put it? I was, um, oh, oh, um you can't ever make sense out of nonsense. Think about it. Wait for it. Because it was never sense at the beginning. It's nonsense. It doesn't possess sense. And what's driving our culture crazy, your friends, my friends, listening audiences, people, 
you're trying to make sense out of nonsense and it drives you nuts because you weren't brought up this way your morals say no everything about you is looking at a, at a country that's working contrapuntal to everything you ever believed or ever thought it's negative to everything and then you feel like for a while that you're going crazy until you realize no it's nonsense all of it's nonsense and you're trying to make it work somehow but it will never work because it never had sense at the beginning not Very well put. Yeah, you, you know, and, and, I, and I like what you said specifically too about the fellowship. You know, it's it seems like right now the um, well, uh, the technology of the the watchers or the watchmen or the watchmen, mm-hmm. the uh, technology of the. Uh, of of the old gods, a small G, of course, is coming back, and and now now, I mean, you know, we are being relegated to communicate with our thumbs in 140 characters or less, or if you're really, if you're really uh, challenged just by mere pictures, apparently there's a program, I don't know, whatever it's called, but uh, wow, you know, you know, so wow, I mean, you know, uh, what are we doing to ourselves? But but yet when we meet, and, and just like the conference in Dallas, when we meet uh, folks who are going, and and there's something special about being in the room with with uh, whether it be you or or us or not us, but but like Pastor Langford or many of the people there, the the bonds that are formed by the interaction are so important, and, and that's why on this program we talk about the effect of of, of that. Well, the spiritual effect of it, of that, but uh, I mean, it's more than more than the human effect. It, it, it touches your heart, your very mm. essence, you know. And, mm. and boy, the, uh, the, that's why I think the music that that you've created does. I mean, it, touch, it, it touches us. It's just fantastic. Wow, you know. Anyway, well, yeah. well, something you said earlier, I think, is important too. Now that we're in our second hour, is that you know some of those things that, though, I think like when you look at um, some of these surveys that come in. And one thing I'll say about our whole tones customers, I'm just flat out again, this isn't fluff. I have the best customers in the world. If you saw our re- our, our returns, you you wouldn't even believe it. It's probably less than one percent. And everyone always writes, and they're always open to doing surveys, and they always want to. But some of the things people say helps us to call information so we can educate people um, to some degree. Again, like anything, it doesn't matter what it is. You have to be careful with certain things that you say because you can't say that it's going to be the same for every single person. People ask you, well, would this heal my glaucoma? Well, I don't know. Try it. Try the sample. So many people have gotten healed listening to the samples and never bought it, too. I thought that was hysterical, and then later on went back and bought it because it did something. But, you know, we get people that write stuff, and it it boggles my mind, things that they say. But the one thing, believe it or not, number one uh, thing is exactly what you said, Doug. Peace when you're just you're ready to blow a gasket, and at nighttime if you have insomnia. Or I had one lady that wrote me said she was taking... Um, uh, what's that stuff that uh it's a drug that helps you sleep i can't think of the name of it right now but it ambien thank you yes ambien yes. and uh and she couldn't sleep on ambien and was taking all this stuff and she said i got um 
I got whole tones and I put in the first disc and she said I made it about five minutes into it and I slept nine hours and I'm doing that every night. That's the kind of stuff that makes me want to keep going is when you get people that are or some of our wonderful soldiers that come back from tours in Iraq and Afghanistan and they've, you know, they've live in a foxhole or they live in some burned out building and they get insomnia or shell shock they come back with PTSD can't sleep at all their wife buys them whole tones and I get these gut wrenching tearful wonderful you know testimonials my husband's been sleeping nine hours a day he told me he loved me for the first time in a year last night he's hugging my children he's coming back you know I mean these kind of things if I heard one of these in a year I would feel that what I did was exciting but I hear you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 a day. Every morning over coffee is like Christmas morning because people's lives are being changed by seven frequencies with music. Like I said before, the music is just a spoonful of sugar. The medicine is the frequency. And God is the one that imbues the frequency. So he gets all of the glory. People said, well, how come you always leave God out? It's like, me? When did I leave God out of anything? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's what I mean about people, though. They're always looking for something. You know, if you're looking for something to make me mortal, I can give you a whole bunch of information. I'm very mortal, very normal. I'm not, you know, I'm not that big a deal. However, God in me, oh, that's the power. I can do anything Amen. with Him. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well,. Michael, I mean, take us where I, I mean we, we've got the remain we've got the remaining twenty twenty five minutes together. Okay, and, and there's just so much information that that you know that we that we can cover. But what's on your heart right now? I mean, given the climate today of, of the political situation, sure. given the climate of the sure. racial, I mean, look, wow. you know, people just walk out your door and, and while, while there's a beauty there, of course, with the, with the flowers and trees or snow, even if you know whatever, but. There's a lot of strife and a lot of things taking place. So, I mean, what's on your heart as the man behind whole tones? Wow, what um, a beautiful question. Well, well I, I can tell heart? you that, that, that it, it breaks my heart because I've seen people that I know on Facebook turn against their friends that I know that they're friends because of who they've chosen for uh, their political candidate or let's just be straight honest with with our with our listeners today washington has a god-shaped hole in it and there's not a man or woman in the world that can fill that hole just deal with that first of all there's nobody in the world that's going to be able to walk into the oval office and fix this gigantic chasm of indifference and racism and i mean i for one i grew up in the midst of unbelievable racism in the south in the 60s and i thought that was done i thought we I thought as a culture we, we surpassed it and moved on with that and that, that, that everybody could love each other and not be pointing at organic um, parts of us. I mean, whether you have long hair, short hair, black, yellow, green, white, whatever, that that would, I mean, you know what it's as bad as? Did you ever read any of the um, uh, Dr. Seuss stuff, the star-bellied snitch and the regular-bellied snitch? That's how low we've digressed is that we literally look at, you know, skin color as, as changing a person for some reason because of their paint job or we've just lost it and and like i said there's not i mean i obviously have a choice nobody knows who it is <laughs> but but i have a choice uh, of one particular person but that doesn't mean that i believe that this person is some kind of iconic uh, a political messiah that's going to come in and fix everything wrong there's been a lot done 
through several administrations that have put us in a in a place of great jeopardy as a nation. Let's just be straight. And there is a there is I don't know I don't I don't know actually what it will take to fix if it can't even be fixed. However, I do, I, I, I do know I do know this that the Bible's very clear. It said there has been a peace afforded for all men, yet few will enter into it. I've never seen a time in my short lifespan, guys, where that's more appropriate than right now. And the, the word actually in, in the Hebrew means chuppah, or a place of, a, a canopy or a covering that you can come under where there's peace. One of his names is Jehovah Shalom. We need peace in our country so bad right now. We need to know that with the failure of man that God never suffers an iota, that he is not a failure in any way, nor is he capable of failure. And with all this stuff that's coming, the most important thing of all is not who the next you know person is. In we always make that be the summum bonum of all life. Whoever's the next person that that wins, that isn't true. What what is the most important thing is how you process this information and what you do with it, how you deal with it with your home, in your family, what you tell your children, how you treat your wife. How your wife explains this to your husband. I watched my wife fall apart in 2008 over an election. And you know what? I watched the body of Christ fall apart. And guess what my job was the day after the election? To go on the road for a year and speak life into churches because people thought that, you know, the sky was falling, Henny Penn, it's the end of the world. Yeah, this last two years, I mean, last uh, eight years through two terms of this administration has been really, really hard. But you know what? God has taken care of us through all of it. As ugly and as horrible as it is, we all ate today. We, we, we can still love each other today. We, nothing can stop us praying for each other today. And so I guess my point is, in the midst of all of this, is that if you give up, it's over. Just forget it. If you give up on your dream. If I, what if I gave up on whole tones? Do you know how many years I was holding this? Eighteen, to be exact. Do you know how many times people said, when are you going to birth that baby? When it, finally a friend just looked me in the eye at the right time and said, you know, you're holding this back from the whole world. Because I was afraid to release it. I thought everybody would hate me and think I was crazy and think I was nuts. And I had no idea it would be embraced by so many wonderful people and that the church would, would understand because of, you know, almost 30 years in the ministry and integrity that they would understand if I was bringing this thing out right now that there was actually really something to it and that I would never bring out something uh, that wasn't God or or, or give Boy. credit to something that he created versus the creator himself. So what See, would I do right now in our last few minutes? Um, yeah. I'd speak peace over every single person that's listening tonight. That's what I would do. And I would tell you, listen, you know, I don't know who's going to win the election, and, you know, and like I said, I have a choice, you have a choice. But ultimately, there's an administration that has never changed since the beginning and the foundation of this world. And I have to believe that if everything that I stand for is true, that nothing has ever come into my life that hasn't moved through that giant hand of my father first. So I have to temper all of this stuff and everything we talk about, everything that Joe and Doug talk about that I totally understand. We have to talk about it, but in the same time, if I thought that a man could destroy everything, I'd be a faithless human being. So ultimately, guys, I've got to tell you one thing. When you, when you go to bed tonight, remember that there's, 
there's a sky above a sky. There's a world above the world. Like Horton, here's the who. <laughs> there's another place from here where God reigns supreme. And it won't be too long before that same God that, re- that reigns supreme above that drop ceiling also um, is found again in the hearts of man underneath that drop ceiling again. I hope it doesn't have to get as dark as we think it's going to before people wake up. But ultimately, I can tell you this that if you understand there's one power and many forces, forces are powerful, but the powers trump all of the forces. Mm-hmm. And so, um, can I, well, that's would I be allowed to pray? Would that be okay? Absolutely. All yeah. right. We, we've never turned anyone down for that. <laughs> well, Lord, look at our country. Look at us. Have mercy on us. We thank you for loving us. When we're not faithful, you remain faithful to a thousand generations. I'm thankful so much for my friends tonight. I ask you to bless everything that Joe and Doug touch. I ask you to bless this amazing Watchman Conference. Pray that everything goes without a hitch and it's smooth and it's packed and the truth prevails. Lord, we pray for our country that's fractured and factioned over this election. And ultimately, God, the affairs of men, you leave us sometimes to our own devices to make the choices that we make. Ultimately, I ask this, Lord, that goodness and mercy would follow us all the days of our life, and that I pray, God, for mercy for our nation, and that you would do something that none of us expect, that turn the tables on wickedness in our lifetime, in our days, in our time. I pray, God, that you would continually release your spirit of revelation upon our generation to give so many witty ideas and wise inventions to men and women around our country to create things that can offset evil and bring life and love and peace to an otherwise tumultuous nation that we live in. And ultimately, God, I just thank you so much for trusting me with these seven little frequencies, and I pray that you would take them to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What what a beautiful... What a beautiful prayer. I mean, wow, thank you. Thank you for that. We need that. We need each other. We do. (laughs) We really do. And we need, you know what, the funny thing is when when I was a youth pastor, I remember... There was a season, I won't mention when it was, it was around 9-11, and everybody was disoriented, and rightly so. And, and all these kids thought they were the only ones, and I took them to this giant teen mania youth um, conference, and there was 35,000 kids. And when we got in there, they all started crying. I said, what are you feeling? I said, God, we're not alone. There's so many of us. We forget that, friends. We forget how many of us. We're mighty. We're many. We're not some little, you know, <laughs> we're not the one percenters as as people in the media would try to make us, you know, the people that clutch to God's guns and country. There's many of us, and we're mighty, and we cannot forget that ever. And it's it just sometimes we have to be reminded that we're not some teeny little mi- minority off in the country, that we are the people, and we are the mass. And then there's other people that don't think the way they do, and they want to dominate and lead and use manipulation to do so. And in the words of uh, Mother Teresa, when people are, are unreasonable and frustrating and do all manners of evil, love them anyway. That's my own. That's my go-to. I don't know what else to do. That's well. That's it. I think. I mean, what else is there to do? <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, when it comes right down to it, um, we have many options, but none so none so great as that, I suppose. Absolutely. You know, 
Wow. Um, numerous questions from, from listeners wanting to ask you sure. many things. We're not going to have time. I'm going to forward okay. many of these to you in written form. But you had mentioned something, and, and I just found that I, I can relate to this, what you said. 18 years is mm-hmm. your project. You held on to it for 18 years, or for whatever reason, you didn't release it for that length of time. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, exactly. Thank God, because I'm a, I, I truly have seen this work in what we are doing. It's almost as if we have plans. Okay, we're going to, uh, for example, we're going to upgrade the studio, and it might be hmm. 2012. Okay, we're going to upgrade the studio. We make plans, and something happens. Can't do it. Something else happens. And it's just one thing after another. Pretty soon, everything we have tried to do, thinking that this was the right thing to do, has been thwarted. And then all of a sudden, we have people who blessed us. We have people who helped us. All of a sudden, doors opened, and not just a small you know, upgrade, but a large upgrade. I guess what I'm saying to you is, you know, there is a time God has, God has, God's got His hand on the on the on the throttle, <laughs> yeah. to me, you know. And I think when when it, when it's when it's the right time, and and this goes for everyone listening. Maybe, may, maybe if you're a listener and you're thinking about building that garage or something, or remodeling your house, or getting married, or whatever, you know. I mean, you'll know, and and I think things will fall into place. Is that kind of what you went through? That's exactly what happened. And I think the big thing was is that um, there's one adjustment that made all the difference, and unfortunately it took me 50 years to figure it out. God has the perfect plan. You hear That sounds trite, but this part doesn't. So get out of his way. I didn't know how to get out of God's way. I was like a speed bump in the midst of my own destiny. And so I can say with all honesty... If whole tones would have come out a year before it did, I think it would have fell on deaf ears, and I think I would have taken so much assault from Christians and Cretans alike. Instead, it was right on time, and so will everything that you guys do as well. I mean, if you wait for him, you can't miss him. If you run, you might outrun him. And and it's taken me 50 years plus to learn that his ways really aren't my ways, and I, all I have to do for miracles to happen is get out of his way and let him be God and stop thinking I know how he's going to do stuff and everything gets done. And then I just sit back and giggle and go, man, if I would have known this the first half of my life, I would have been golden. Exactly. And isn't that the way for, for all of us? And getting out of, and that's just it, you know, I mean, getting out of God's way. That's something. Uh, as a guy, you know me. My I'm thick-headed, and a lot of times it takes me a few bumps to the head. <laughs> excuse me, a few bumps <laughs> to the head to really understand. Yeah. And, and 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 that's I think that's most of us. But but the the joy that's that, and and the, and the fruit that comes from those endeavors when you do it on God's timetable, as opposed to yours, it, it's just uh, exponentially more. It's so night that, and day. Very much so. Very I'll never much. do it the old way again. Everybody said, what are you going to do from now on, you know, when you go back in the studio? Well, we've been in twice, and I do it that way. I'm never going back to the old way. I get in the studio, and I cry a lot, and I wait for the wind. I wait for the river. It comes for me, and the end is the end. I write it out until the end, and then 
I sit there and I go, I cannot believe that that got recorded. Where did that come from? Instead mm. of already having it written and throwing music it to everybody, you know. I, I've, we've got a couple of emails here. One in particular, I just if I if I may just read this because I think this is a pretty prescient for prescient for the uh, for the time. <clears throat> this is from a, a woman who lives alone and. Basically, uh, it's a pretty long email, but, but her world's falling or falling apart around her. She's finding herself alone, but, you know, she, she said, well, how do I start? Meaning, is, is there a regimen that, that you have with respect to whole tones? You just throw in a, a, a CD and, and just listen, or is there some sort of a planned regimen? And if so, where can I find this out? Awesome. Well, actually, uh, in the book itself that comes with it, it explains that the open door is exactly that, which is, um, you know, for those that don't know, it's the first disc. It's the garnet colored disc. Um, it comes in your set. It's 396 hertz. And the reason I always say start with that is the open door is that it, whenever you're using frequencies, there's an opening frequency. And when I say opening, it means, you know, whether it's church, maybe, you know, have you ever, like, gotten in a fight with your spouse and then had to go right into the back door of the church? <laughs> you feel like such a hypocrite, and you go sit down, and everybody's raising their hands during worship, and you're kind of going, man, I don't even deserve to be sitting here. Of course you have. Well, those feelings of shame and guilt and unworthiness melt away when you listen to that frequency. And then after that one, then you're open to the other six that have specific uses, um, so, in other words, what I'm saying is sometimes you just have to get an adjustment. You need an adjustment. You don't feel worthy. You feel guilty. You feel stupid. You, whatever it is, it's an impediment for you to receive anything from God because you become inside. You think about all your unworthiness, and it's like, listen, you're worthy. God says so. He was ready to heal you. But 396 deals with all of that, those gymnastics in your brain that that we all trip ourselves up with, like, I can't believe I just fought with my wife and now I'm in church. It's like, yeah, well, welcome to the human race, you know? Exactly. Build a bridge and get over it, move on. And that's kind of like what 396 does, it trying to get you to a, an open playing field so you can feel God's love again instead of feeling like a moron. That's kind of what it's all about, man. I understand. Yeah. So I say to tell her, I would say start with that one first and then... <clears throat> And then, you know, when she reads the book, she'll know how each disc works. For someone that's in that position, for me, I would listen to 396 first, and then I would go to, like, like you know, 741 or 852, where you just feel the glory of God there. I would go to the place where you can get to the place where you get over yourself and you forgive yourself, and then I would go straight for, you know, just that feeling of God with you, Emmanuel, that feeling of his presence and being accepted and knowing Amen. that God loves you. That's a big deal, especially if you're alone, because you don't know that anybody cares. You know, if God shows up yeah. on the scene, you're not alone anymore. We're, we're really never alone as long. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're, we're and that's one thing. You could be you could be alone, but but you're not alone. You're, you're, right you're, you could be by yourself, but you're not alone. You know, so that's that's marvelous. Uh, again, so many questions, so little time. I, I do want to slip in a, a kind of a question that's off of the uh, off of the, the tone and, and tenor that, that, that we're on. But um, Nancy D wrote this, and this is something we touched on earlier. Uh, do you believe that the rock and roll that we had and we have even was created as, as some sort of a weapon of mind control? And, and I, I think I know your answer, but kind of an interesting you know twist with the mind control aspect of it 
Well, I, I think it's really interesting um, when you look at the type of music. A lot of people they want they're really quick to because there's connotations of how they're you know drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Right? There's this attachment right. that we have with a lot of what happened in 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 the 50s, 60s, 70s, and the advent of of rock and roll. I will say that it's not as much genre as it is frequency. And once again, a particular type of music can adhere to. Um, to the sensual or the or the physical part of of human beings, and so do I think that rock and roll is inherently evil? No, I do not. However, <laughs> I, let me let me also, and I don't believe that that it was um, uh, created per se for that. I don't believe that there was that intelligence behind it. That it was it was uh, just. I, I do believe that. I think really one of the first, even though they weren't the first, were the Beatles, and they called it the British Invasion. And a lot of people looked at it as it might have been an, a demonic assault. I would say more than anything else, it's regardless of its rap or regardless of what the style of music is, if it works only on a particular part of of the human body then depending on, on your interpretation will d depend on your reaction towards uh, that type of frequency. So, again, um, I think that's a fantastic question. Uh, being someone that played a lot of rock and roll, too, I can say that there was a lot of attachment to that lifestyle that comes with it that's very interesting. But, again, it goes back to what? The sensual or the physical. And then you look at love, and you look at three types of love, right? You, you look at... The physical type of love, yep. you look at the emotional or the or or the soulish type of love, and then you look at what the Bible calls the agape or the selfless, you know, the perfect love of God. They're all three facets of love, but only one of them is 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 perfect. And I think there's Amen. a lot of uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things that attach to that sensuality um, of man. And I think that that um, unfortunately there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of things that. Uh, that are connected to that, including drug use and a lot of uh, a lot of other things. Very interesting and very well said. Now we've got a listener, and this is a question I never really gave any consideration to. A listener, uh, Melinda W. Thanks for your question. She's right now, um, shall we say? Stereo challenged. Okay. Okay. Uh, she she said I've used other entertainment music uh, for healing, and it's had to be listened to in stereo to work. Is that the case? Must your must whole tones be used in stereo to in order to really have the effect intended? Now this is that's this is a great question, and I'm so glad it was asked. Listen, I don't use binaural beats with whole tones. And, and binaural beats basically is two different frequencies going on in each side of the speaker, which has to be um, stereophonic, i.e., one side supposedly affects one side of the brain. And what I've noticed is that binaural beats can affect people with epilepsy and strokes and uh, and certain disorders, including PTSD, in a massively negative way. So therefore, whole tones um, does not need to be listened to in stereo. In fact, it does not need to be listen to with headphones either because the bulk of whole tones was designed to work on a cellular level i would say 10 percent of the audio um, is actually um, dependent upon your hearing and 90 percent of your body actually uh, reacting to it on a cellular level so it's more of a therapy than it is a music in the form of entertainment so absolutely not you would not have to listen to it in stereo to receive 100 percent benefit from it wow now Okay, now I learned something there. And to, just to emphasize that, uh, 90% on a cellular level, 
But I guess that makes sense. I mean, sure. and, and you might you, you might say, "Hey, Doug, you know, what do you think we've been talking about for crying out loud?" But but no, I, I okay. But to hear that said, all right. Now, well, let's let's add one oh. short thing to that. I don't know if you read that. I'm, you guys are you guys are way ahead of me as far as the newest stuff. But there was an Australian scientist that found a way to begin inoculations by using frequency instead of a needle point. There's now a new turntable that has a laser point instead of a needle. Um, we're moving into a whole new dimension of frequency, and so it's not even slightly abnormal to me with all my studies of thinking of introduction of certain things uh, vis-a-vis frequency versus you know uh, structure. And so when you think about something affecting you on a cellular level, once again, if you are a child and your father tells you every day of the 18 years you're in that house, son, I love you, I'm so blessed God gave you to me, there's nothing in the world you can't do, that man is going to be a success. I'm telling you. He's infused with nothing but his father's voice telling him that he can't lose. The opposite is also true. If you were brought up in a home where your father tells you you're a deadbeat and a bum, you're never going to amount to anything, you're going to be a deadbeat and a bum, and you're never going to amount to anything. No, it's that, very exactly powerful, right. and it affects yeah. you on a cellular level. It, it, you're, you're exactly right. So, okay. Well, we've got only about uh, a minute and a half left, uh, which I can't believe. I mean, this time it's just <laughs> blown by. Uh, go ahead and um, t- tell people, you know, where you can get where they can get uh, sure whole tones and um, you know how, how to do it. Uh, just go for it. Take us out. Sure. Off. Well, the URL every time that I'm with my friends, uh, um, every time that I'm with Hagman and Hagman is uh, wholetoneslive.com. That's wholetoneslive.com. And when you go on the website, there's a myriad of free information. You know, that's how we roll. There's lots of videos. There's the one thing you'll love if you go to the very top um, uh, of the loading page, you'll see testimonials. Read those. Tap on that and go and look at all. Look at how it affects your dogs and cats. That's one of my favorite things. It affects animals like crazy. Your dog has separation anxiety, goes nuts when you leave and nuts when you get home. Leave whole tones playing while you're gone and the dog doesn't even realize you went anywhere. Awesome. My dog's totally a different dog. Simply leaving the tones on while I'm gone, I come back, and there's a happy puppy that's not freaked out anymore. So read the testimonials. Go to the free samples. There's tons of free samples on there. You can listen to the music, and, and you can discern it yourself if you think it's something that would be good for you. Uh, also, along with that is the entire story of how um, the Lord gave me whole tones and uh, all the ways that you can order the different things that um, have been created in the last year. So, again, it's wholetoneslive.com. Everything you need to know about Whole Tones, for the most part, is there. The guys at Barton Publishing have done a fantastic job uh, to get the information to the world and to make it very plain, uh, and they help me tell my story. So please wow. go to wholetoneslive.com. Michael, you've been a wonderful, wonderful guest. You're a wonderful friend, and you've got a fantastic, fantastic product. I just bless you, and thank you for your time tonight. Thank you so much for your information. Man, I love every minute with you guys, and I really pray the conferences just knock it out of the park, and hopefully I'll be able to get to one of these before long and have a beautiful Ooh. week. We're going to drag you to one pretty soon. Okay. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Michael. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, buddy. Bye. Have a good night. Bye-bye. We'll be right back with Stan Dale. This is the Global Star Radio Network.
even if it's Tuesday, it's Tuesdays with Stan. Stan Deo is who I'm referencing. Wasn't there a show Tuesdays with Maury or something like that? Anyway, it's uh, Stan Deo. That's this is his time, and I've got to tell you, we are so honored, really, to to, to have uh, Stan Deo on every Tuesday, taking time out from his busy schedule to to uh, report his findings to you. Before we get to Stan, I want to mention that. Um, we just we we are so happy to talk about Casper mattress. Casper, what is Casper? Casper dot com slash CFP radio. Folks, go there. Casper, they're an online retailer of premium mattresses for just a fraction of the price. The mattress industry, folks, is inherently forcing consumers and has forced them to you and I to pay notoriously high markups. Well, Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with these people, these resellers, the showrooms, and that savings is passed on to you. The quality is unsurpassed. My dog, lady, four paws in the air. And I mean that literally. I'll go in if I stop home during the day, and after she, you know, so happy to see me, I'll go in and before I leave, I'll see her on, on a Casper mattress, all four paws up in the air and snoring. She's got the vote on that one. Uh, Casper Mattress provides resilience, long-lasting support of comfort. It's a mattress. Casper's mattress is one of a kind. It's a, really a new hybrid that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. And, folks, the cost, you cannot beat the cost because they can, mattresses can cost over 1500 bucks. But Casper mattresses cost between 500 for a twin. And, and you want to go to a, a king? 950 you can't beat the price, the the convenience of buying a mattress, a Casper mattress. You buy a Casper. Buying a Casper mattress is absolutely risk-free. They offer free delivery. It comes to your door. It's it's it's, a, it's fun to get to. I just love it because, well, yeah, it comes in a box. And, you know, the delivery guy will say, what, what's in there? Because it's really dense. And, and, you know, you might want to say, well, you know, it's a body of my brother-in-law or my whatever. But you, instead of that, you can just say, well, it's a mattress. And uh, he, he may, not, may or may not believe it, but it's really, they offer free delivery, returns within the 100-day period. It's just that simple. You can't you can't figure out uh, whether you're going to like a mattress by lying on a bed in a showroom for a few minutes. No, you can't do that. Well, th- that's why Casper has turned the buying process into a risk-free experience, and they understand the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality, you, you spend a third of your life on when you think about it. So they have an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price that's got just the right sink, just the right bounce. With these two technologies, you can't, you can't beat them. I mean, latex, foam, and memory foam, it doesn't hold in the heat. It, it's just it's just a wonderful combination. Risk-free trial and return policy. Try it for 100 days. With free delivery. Painless returns made in America, folks, not China, where the fumes or Vietnam or sweatshop. No, 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 no. Right here in America, support American-made products, folks. And again, five hundred for a twin-size mattress to nine fifty for a king. You can't beat it. Compare that. Go out and compare that, folks. Go to Casper dot com slash CFP Radio. That's Casper dot com slash cfp radio and as our thanks to you here's what we're going to do well here's what casper is doing you get fifty dollars toward any mattress purchased by visiting casper dot com slash cfp radio and use cfp radio in the word ask for you the, the promo code real simple casper dot com slash cfp radio 
and your promo code is CFP Radio. Your wife will thank you. Your husband will thank you. Your guests will thank you. Your dog will thank you. And you're going to be happy and sleeping well. That's Casper.com slash CFP Radio. Promo code CFP Radio for a special offer. Go there for details now. Another quick announcement. Uh, here at the Watchman Conference, there is a $50 off um, ticket purchases. If you are still looking to buy tickets to the conference, you go to hearthewatchman.com, enter the promo code HAGMAN when purchasing the tickets, and you'll get a $50 discount. Also, the live stream link is there available on the right-hand side of the site underneath the drop-down menu at the top. And for $29, you can watch the conference from the comfort of your own home. And that's $29 for the live stream link. And again, promo code HAGMAN when purchasing tickets to be at the conference. Um, that is just uh, a week and a half away, right around the corner. And with that, we'll bring our guest on, Mr. Standeo. His website standeo.com. On the right-hand side of his page, right next, right underneath the YouTube, the new YouTube uh, logo he's got on there is the show images page. And on this page, you can find what uh, Stan's going to talk about, uh, images to what he has been working on and has put together for the show and uh, the information he has. I, I always love that show images page. I, yeah, I, I was looking at the, the maps here, and we were talking during the break uh, about Saudi Arabia and Atlantis and... Um, I guess let's start there. Yeah, Stan. yeah. Real quick, I just wanted. I was during the break. I was telling Stan that my mom, when I was like ten, nine, ten years old, we we actually talked about Atlantis. I mean, maybe that's why I'm all messed up today, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, go to standeo.com and take a look at the show images page. And but yeah, I just kind of curious. Uh, give us the one on one on Atlantis because I remember what my mom said, but uh, I want to hear what Standeo says about Atlantis. Well. Um all of us that, uh, well, I say the majority of people that researched where Atlantis was and uh, and could be today, based uh, a lot of our search on the uh, document written by Plato, which he wrote uh, from memory, and they were pretty good with memory work back then when he was younger. He was listening to his grandfather and uh, talked with some other guys, and, uh, you know, in Greece, and um, they were talking um, about... Um, traveled to the uh, Egyptian priests over in Egypt at Port Suez is now it's called the Port of Sais in those days and the record of what uh, uh, Plato wrote is called uh, the Plato's Timaeus and Critias Debates now it's been around for a long time and uh, I took one of the English translations of it and went through it like I did finding the Garden of Eden trying to find from the clues there where the location of Atlantis was uh, related to where Plato was talking about this in Greece. And anyway, um, I'm just trying to get a, a little bit of a thing here to read to you. Um, the Critias and Timaeus uh, debates, there's an extract I took, uh, which says, Listen, Socrates, to a tale which, though strange, is certainly true, having been attested to by Solon who was the wisest of the seven sages. Now, I believe Solon was um, uh, Plato's grandfather, as I recall, but anyway, he goes on to tell about this ancient city and ancient civilization uh, somewhere in that region, and he gives lots of clues uh, about uh, its relationship uh, geographically to Greece, and, of course, uh, in their uh, 
description of or in Solon's description here, they think that Atlantis existed maybe twelve thousand years ago. Some say nine thousand, but a long time before the Garden of Eden, even. And what the boiling the story down, what happens is that the 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 God of Gods sends down twelve sons of God to the earth to colonize it, and they go to different places. Now, Atlantis was only one of those settlements. There were eleven others around the planet, and this was, I think, before the planet, uh, before the landmass split in the time of you know um, Peleg when the continents started splitting apart. Um, so everything was together, but these twelve sons, uh, you know, of God, uh, these supermen, came down to Earth. But now, according to the the Atlantis tale in the Critias debate, what happened was they found Earth women here, and they bred with them, crossbred to produce a new race of beings. Now, this may be what the Bible is speaking of about the sons of God, the fallen ones who came in and bred with the women in Genesis. You see that in Genesis six and produced uh, hybrid offspring. Now, we know that, that uh, the flood, God caused the flood to get rid of all these uh, hybrid beings from the off-worlders and uh, humans, um, and leaving only Noah, uh, you know, and the uh, the good seed, the ones whose uh, gene, gene pools uninterrupted or unpolluted by these off-worlders. Now, in, in Plato's discussion... Everybody seems to think that when he talks about the Pillars of Hercules as part of the locations, through the Pillars of Hercules uh, to uh, Gades, G-A-D-E-S, that he was talking about the Rock of Gibraltar, you know, the Pass of Gibraltar, those two high cliffs. But what people had forgotten to look at was in in the discussion that he gives, um, he talks about um, the Gades, or Gader, and uh, being close to Cyprus, being close to Greece. And there is a place like that, a region like that, in the Middle East. Um, part of it's in Jordan, part of it's in Israel. And in those days, and before the Roman Empire, when, when Greece was you know, on the uprise, they built ten cities around the base of Mount Hermon, where the legends say the angels, the fallen ones, came down from the heavens, landed there, and departed you know, to go to different parts of the earth. That might be the same thing about the tale of Atlantis and the, you know, they call it the Twelve Sons, but uh, they did come to Earth and spread out. Now, the Decapolis cities are at the base, well, probably well, maybe 50, 60 miles south of Damascus and, and down into um, Jordan and over into Beit Shean, which was called, um, was Theophilus, I think, um, one of the ten cities at the time. And... Um, actually, I've been there when they were excavating that and, and looked at the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the decals and various other things that were in Scythopolis, which is Beijing today. Uh, some of them had Grecian look to them, but uh, they were only in the Roman period when I was there, and they went down later to the, you know, probably to the Greek period. But why did the Greeks go over to there, across that great distance, to plant ten religious cities? Around the base of the the, the uh, Sea of Galilee and, uh, and south of Damascus, there, and what would have been in that region called the Pillars of Hercules? Uh, they called them Heracles in the Greek, but anyway. Now, as I said, people thought that the pillars were the, were the gates of Gibraltar, there, on the uh, well, a long way from here, over where I'm talking about in the Middle East, but over into uh, close to Spain. Because there's a city there called uh, Gade, 
Cadiz. Uh, so everyone thought that's what Plato was talking about for the, the part of the location of Atlantis. But no, if you find an area in the Middle East, which we did over in the Jordan uh, side, uh, in, in the country of Jordan, that's called Gadira Gades, you know, God people, G-A-D people, then knowing that the Greeks had ten decapolis cities in that area and they speak near, you know, on the other side or, you know, through the, the gates of uh, Pillars of Hercules, why would it be something on the other end of the Mediterranean when right next to them is a huge set of formations which are big? And, I mean, if you look at them on the uh, Google Earth and other maps, you'll see in 3D that the mountains of Lebanon are two sets. There's the Lebanon mountains running along what used to be the old Jordan River, and they're, let's say, on the, the, the coast side, the Mediterranean side of that formation. And then there's what they call the anti or opposite Lebanon mountains across the Jordan. And Jordan would run right in between them. Now, those are huge. The, the pillars of Hercules, they're big. You compare those to the Gibraltar gates, and they're nothing. These are huge, miles and miles and miles of big. Where did the Greek legend say that Hercules lived? Near the pillars of Hercules. And where did they build their ten, you know, Decapolis cities? At the, the foot, in essence, of the, the entrance to the pillars of Hercules, those two great formations. Now, I talked about all this in the original Vindicator Scrolls. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been going over some of my own writing and stuff. It's been many years. And at the time, I didn't have access, no one did, to Google Earth and to the Internet and to various photographs and, and you know, works of other people. You just had what was at your local library, and that was that case was in Perth, Australia. Now, what I've been looking for since then is proof that there was a civilization there in Saudi Arabia all the way to the coast, and part of it, the capital of it, is sunk in the Persian Gulf. And, um, you know, I, I even, during Gulf War One, I had uh, one of President Clinton's uh, cousins uh, who was the electronics officer on board the USS Kitty Hawk. And he um, and I made contact over the Internet uh, crudely in those days, just email. And uh, I told him, uh, look, do you guys have, um, you know, imaging um, systems on your, uh, on the, the, uh, the carrier to look down into the sea bottom of the, of the Persian Gulf? So if you do, I'd like to see if you could direct your imaging toward this. I gave him a location near, you know, uh, uh, up near Bahrain. And I said, uh, there's a formation there that I want to see if you've got any any structures buried in the mud there. And he, he tried to see if they could do it, and they they couldn't retask the things at that time because the war was on. Um, so then I went um, to um, um, Jacques Cousteau uh, before that. I'd gone to Jacques Cousteau's uh, people. Uh, to see if they could get the Alcyon or the um, Calypso to go into the Persian Gulf. And again, um, you know, because of the war situation over in the Middle East Gulf War One, they were afraid to take the Calypso in and a dive crew because it's going to cost us a million dollars a week to, you know, take the crew in and, and take them back and forth to uh, Europe. But they were afraid that the Calypso would be blown in half by bubble mines that, um, you know, the Iraqis may have set into the, um, the Gulf there. And a bubble mine is just simply a thing that makes a big air bubble all of a sudden, a big one, right amidships as your ship comes over it, and it'll lift your ship up the middle and crack it and sink it. So they didn't want Calypso to go down. It's quite a precious thing. And uh, anyway, so it was. we were going to go into that area and find it, and so, okay, the war shut down a lot of our efforts, and years have passed now then, and I'm 
looking in Google Earth, and and I find, as you can see on that um, uh, page, uh, let's see where have I got the uh, the page there on the show image page. I I've uh, lost it here on my thing here. Uh, show images. There we go. Okay, if you go to the show images page and go down, oh, about four lines, and you'll see strange ancient stone formations in western Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you see there an overpicture that I've taken out of Google Earth with a little orange locator uh, button on it. If you push on that, it will take you down to where that orange button is in a place called Al-Hayit, A-L-H-A-Y-I-T, Al-Hayit. And around that area, they have, for probably 50 or 60 years now, the archaeologists have been trying to figure out what the Dickens, what kind of a civilization lived there to build these strange stone formations, which are not big. They're like two or three feet high walls, but they're perfect circles with a dome of rocks in the middle, uh, slightly higher perhaps, a foot or two, and then with a, a keyhole-type uh, structure coming out to the right. It gets larger uh, at, until it stops, and uh, it's a, a layer of rocks forming these keyhole things. If you click on that uh, image, you can see on top it looks just like a, an ancient keyhole in a door where you have to have, you know, the bottom part of the key is kind of wide. You have the round part that, you know, goes in and does the, the lock. Well, I found, along with their their pointers that the archaeology put there, I found thousands and thousands of these things in the Saudi desert regions, all the way up into Syria near Damascus. Um, and, and And these things are just amazing structures so if you click on that image uh, you know you'll get to the uh, the image the, uh, that I was talking about or, or the text you can click on that and it'll take the image go to the next one to the right of it on the fourth row more ancient stone formations and look at what you're, I'm looking at and those circles of stone are about an average of about 50 foot in diameter and the wedge shape is sometimes a keyhole shape and sometimes just a straight long stretch of, of rock we thought, Holly and I thought earlier that perhaps it's just um, some kind of a, a focusing uh, ramp to ramp livestock down into smaller and smaller quarters until you have one by one going into these um, storage areas, these circles at the end of it. But that doesn't quite work when the thing is all straight. There's no sides to it. It's not a keyhole wall. It's just a straight row, uh, row of rock straight out from that circle with the dome in the middle. Um, anyway, as I say, you can look at that and go to the Google Earth map. I, I did include the latitude and longitude in the photograph there of that second one so that you can see where I got it from and then spread out from there and start looking yourself all over there. Now, that was all part of Atlantis, I'm pretty sure, and I've been looking for signs of ancient civilization. And the dating they're getting on these structures is between... 2000 BC, uh, sorry, between 2000 years ago and 9000 years ago. So that would be between around the time of Christ back another 7000 years, uh, which, you know, is in keeping with the Critias and Timaeus record that uh, Plato le- left us about where uh, Atlantis was. The, the capital of Atlantis, on the other hand, would have been over in the Persian Gulf, in my opinion, and it would be. Um, on the coast now, or just off the coast, it'd be sunken. I'm just now uh, dialing into an area here. I'm going to have a, a look at some of the names to tell you. Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot of things there. I had to go to the Russians, uh, to the submarine corps when I was in, in Perth to get some of the Russian maps to try to find out 
Persian Gulf looked like, and it's highly classified by everybody because it's for tactical and strategic reasons, I guess. I, I don't know, but um, anyway, using their maps, uh, I was able to at least do depth sounding much better than you got in Google Earth even today. And I found a little place just, uh, oh, probably half a mile, mile up the coast on the on the Saudi Peninsula side of the Persian Gulf called al Jubail, J-U-B-A-I-L. And you'll see, if you get to your map, people, that offshore there, there is a kind of a half circle. It looks like it's been broken apart. It used to be a circular area, like a, like a volcanic cone. But what Plato, or what Solon uh, said and Plato reported, what he said was that the, the capital, the, the king's castle, if you wish, of, of Atlantis, was built uh, on the edge of an area that so many, you know, uh, thousand yards uh, kind of long by wide, and it formed a rectangular plain. And if you look at Al-Jubail, all the way back up to Kuwait City in the Persian Gulf, you will see there is a rectangular structure still surviving, a rectangular coastline. It's slightly eroded and broken apart over the, the centuries, over the millennia. But there, on the edge of it, is this circular formation that's been broken up. And uh, Plato talked about this stones that they carved, uh, you know, to make the castle. And the stones were cut from underneath in, in the dirt around there. In this area, geologists have reported for a long time, stone diapirs. Now, diapirs are, sub, are sedimentary formations down beneath the surface of the, you know, the, the sand and dirt in that area that are on a layer of salt. And the salt pushes up and forms kind of a smooth finger, you know, getting smaller and smaller to the point of it, kind of like a, a funnel with a, a smooth top, pushing up toward the surface. And these pushed up, and when they pushed up, they pushed rock up ahead of them. And the rock... Uh, in the case of, of what uh, Plato said was red rock and black rock and um, one other color uh, uh, maybe it's this white rock I think it was, the three colors and they built this great castle for the the, uh, the kings of, of Atlantis because there was a, 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 a series of them after the, the first one and um, long before the destruction and they built this up out of the rock they'd cut from underneath in that stone dive here they'd gone down into it and done it and it wasn't underwater at the time this was just you know on, on dirt and in fact they used to have races and stuff out along the edge of that rectangular section and uh, at the port that was uh, you know above water at that time uh, trimarine type ships and stuff could come in and uh, get close to the, the capital because there was this circular series of ports around the, the ancient capital now when the collapse of, of whatever caused Atlantis to fall beneath the waves and, and, and you know be destroyed. Whenever that happened, um, it fractured the stone underneath the castle because they had taken out so much stone to put up above ground to build it that they'd left weakness in the in the structure and it collapsed the castle. It fell down in the middle. And so it left what we might see here uh, near Al Jabal, which is a rim around what we thought would have been a volcano, but it was really a collapsed salt diapirs, and they're all through that area in the Middle East. They're, they're quite common, these salt diapirs, pushing up the rock sediments up there. Now, they're as far, they go as far uh, away as the Mediterranean to where um, the the uh, great volcano uh, blew away the 
what was the, the old civilization or you know the one that had the the bulls and stuff on it uh, across from Greece anyway um that volcano that erupted um you know didn't destroy all of the evidence of a ancient civilization there because they they found some underwater as well but above water they found and been putting together um you know like excavating the dust and stuff away from uh a palace that's got black stone red stone and and the white stones and images of bulls and stuff which uh, Plato said the Atlanteans did worship the bull and they they had all kinds of games and ceremonies and and rituals and laws built around the bulls so in that whole area from you know the um west uh, west well the east coast of the Mediterranean which is west of the uh, Persian Gulf from there to the Persian Gulf all through that area there's a lot of sandy deserts and whatever and there's a lot of those salt dive piers in fact there's one underneath the Dead Sea uh, where you had uh, Lot's wife covered in salt when it erupted there you know and uh, put molten salt up on her body and then just killed her so it's very common there's a whole layer of salt in that, in that area it gives rise to that could have been the place there are so many things I, I'm hitting the high points in what I discussed in the Vindicator Scrolls but so many things that um, I found going through in those days microfish from oil companies that had uh, drilled and uh, explored in the empty quarter the Rub al-Khali in um, uh, Saudi Arabia and I found uh, evidence of several open cut mines that excavated or, or mined uh, uh, gold and uh, lead, red lead, uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure from what I discovered in those areas and what they were, the ancient mines were were taking out, they were the ingredients of what Plato said coated the rocks around the, the castle and around the the circular moats and, and uh, waterways that were around the capital of Atlantis. They called that metal orichalcum. And no one officially knows what it was made of. It was just called orichalcum, and it was red gold. Uh, reflections of it could be seen from way out at sea during the, the daylight. Uh, beautiful red gold. And they uh, had uh, plates and utensils and glasses and stuff made from this red gold. Um, and as I say, there's a type of lead called red lead. And if you uh, alloy that with gold, I'm pretty sure you get this malleable material that they coated the rocks of the walls around all these marinas and, and the circular port uh, structures. They coated it, the rocks by hammering these uh, uh, this thin layers of orichalcum on it. So to find there in Saudi Arabia, you know, on the other side of it from, from the Persian Gulf, but still to find the mines that had gold and red lead in them, it, uh, it let me know that there was the composition they needed to make this mystery orichalcum. Hmm. Um, now, as the legend went, the, the the later inhabitants of Atlantis, just before the destruction of it, many of them were pretty weird and unusual and uh, crazy in essence. And I started to wonder, you know, if they had streets paved with this, they did have streets paved with this orichalcum, you know, over the stones. They had the walls, they had their, uh, their um, glasses and plates and stuff, and they were eating off of it. If this was red lead in that, it would have given them lead poisoning, and of course, you know, made them deranged so it all kind of adds up just to cause and effect when you, you look at it that way what do you think about that sir wow can you repeat that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah right <laughs> uh, no I mean wow okay 
You see, the Earth has changed a lot. Uh, the, the continents have split apart, and you know, um, on the uh, the show images page, you'll see an image right above these things that I was talking about in Saudi Arabia, where I'm putting um, the, the um, left bulge at the north side of Africa. I'm putting that left bulge into the top of South America. You can see if you click on that, it'll bring a map up, uh, and that map is. Um, uh, you know, a, a 3D map. It's in, in gray tones, but if you put red and green, green glasses on, you can see the elevation of these mountains. And I can see where, you know, the great rivers uh, in uh, South America actually emptied into North Africa and made, you know, this some of these mystery rivers they've just recently discovered with satellite photography. And it, I put these two together to show people, look, these things connect in the southern part of Africa, if you bend it and I, I didn't distort it, I just cut part of it off and put it down along the side of South America, it fits like a glove. So you can see that the earth has been stretching and moving and continents have moved apart uh, over a period of time. And to the right of that picture I've got In Search of Atlantis, the Decapolis City, so if you click on that, it's a 3D map that I've made showing you where these ten cities were and where the two Lebanon, anti-Lebanon mountains are. Now, you'll need 3D glasses to see the elevation of it. Um, you know, red and green glasses, you can get them just darn near anywhere. You can get them on our website if you need them. But when you look at this, you see how big these, the, the left and right pillars, you know, the the great huge mountains were uh, for the, the pillars of Hercules. All this, of course, is stuff I'm using to get back on the trail of Atlantis. And, uh, there are a few other formations there that might be of interest, but um, that that's the Atlantis discussion is down there in row uh, three of uh, row four and row three parts of it there. Um, but in, if you got really, Google Earth, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You got Google Earth. I'm telling you, you start out with Al Hayit and then spread out over in Saudi Arabia, and uh, because of the satellite imagery they've got and stuff that you can get from. NASA's topography system. I, uh, that's where I got some of these very nice maps that are huge, like 36 megabytes, and there's a link to it there. You can see uh, things that we, you know, have not seen from the ground because people don't traverse those areas. So only by satellite could you see them. And there's so much there that people, uh, you know, can go and find more than I'm talking about. I'm, I'm still finding stuff just getting down at ground level and zooming through the the terrain on, on Google Earth and seeing strange formational circles and lines and um, kind of funnel-shaped things, and they don't know what they're from. And sadly, they've kicked out the Western uh, or European archaeologists now, and, and only let the Arab uh, you know, archaeologists do the, the research, and so we don't know what they're finding. But I do know that when they were at that area, I was telling you about Al-Jubeo, uh, Al, uh, that they had uh, found uh, down at Bahrain nearly 100,000 graves, rock graves above ground. They started excavating, and at 80 feet down, they started finding more advanced technology, and they kicked out all the, the Western uh, archaeologists and said, no, we'll take care from here, get out. You know, it, it proved a more advanced civilization was buried in 80 to 100 feet of mud. Uh, so what you're saying is 80 feet below, I mean, obviously covered by... The, the Eons, or you know, but you think well, the flood and stuff time. like that, yeah, R- right, right. So, so they're they're finding uh, n- uh, Nephilim DVD players, right? 
um, <laughs> basically. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. or, or, uh, not quite, but they are finding signs of a, of, a, of, a, in Baghdad, they found electric batteries, and they're finding that kind of equipment. They were in Bahrain while they were there, but of course now then we're not there any longer, not allowed. Huh. Man. I'm yeah, looking at these images. Wow. Yeah, we're looking at the, uh, I think it's third row down, uh, third over, uh, Oh, that brown thing? Mine. Yeah. It looks like what you were talking about, you know, the, uh, now, that's something not, is mined that, out of it. That, that's not really. What that is, is a very, un, well, officially, that's what that is, is a very unusual formation. If you look at it with 3D glasses, it'll, you'll be amazed at, on the left hand blow up of that little circular area there in northwest Africa, what that is. It's a, a series of, uh, phreatic volcanic explosions that uh, at first it was a big volcano that threw out that ash and stuff that you see around, black stuff that's jagged around the edges. That's a layer of uh, you know, volcanic ash, or several layers. Then it quietened down a bit, and it, it kind of formed a bubble of uh, you know steam, and it formed a dome out of the ash, and then the bubble collapsed, and then a while later it blew up again a little bit smaller, and it was a slow-dying bubble of of uh, steam explosions from down underneath there that left that formation but it was just so unusual that uh, I wanted to share that with you and, and as I say in 3D if you put your 3D glasses on you just you just be amazed at the sharpness of the cliffs that that are eroded from around there and they're just so much uh, that we're now being able to discover with the satellite imagery that I'm trying to get people to get into these images and scan them I mean you know not like can with the computer, but just look at them in detail up close. Get the, the high, you know, resolution files. Uh, obviously, there's one above that uh, called the very high resolution map of Africa. And uh, when I say high resolution, you know, even with uh, you know fast lines, it'll take you a few minutes to um, bring that file in. Well, I say a few minutes, maybe a minute uh, at the most, but um, it's slow by modern standards because it's so big. But with that, it's a color coded. Um, you know, topography map of of Africa, and it's so well done at such high resolution that what you will see uh, makes a lot more sense in this color version than it does in the black and white, even with um, um, you know 3D glasses. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. you can look that up later. I don't know whether your your bandwidth is um, enough to um, let you get that quickly, but that is a beautiful structure, uh, a set of structures there, and I use that. To um, to look at where Eden is, and it becomes even ever so much clearer to me. Um, you know where I picked for the Garden of Eden is correct. Um, I'm just seeing if I got another image here on that page. Oh, it's fallen over here. It's crashed. Anyway, um, if you look at the image, get it up later. Uh, there's a image of the Garden of Eden or the Ngoro Crater, um, and you can see on this big map, that African map, uh, zoom down into where Tanzania is and where the Garden of Eden is in the Ngoro Crater, and look to the west of that, and you will see outlined an egg shape, outlined by uh, geological formations, mainly by lakes and rivers that form a kind of egg-shaped um, region, and I am pretty sure from the Genesis description that the Garden of Eden, the Ngoro Crater, was built to the east, in the eastern part of the land of Eden. And this land was, in fact, still is today, lush 
well watered, and they had natural borders by these geologic formations, almost like uh, the, the Ngoro Crater, except these were lower structures. And that's where the Serengeti Plain is. And between the Serengeti and the Ngoro Crater, you have probably the greatest uh, Garden of Eden-type selection of animals living together of anywhere on the, on the Earth. And uh, that would be something, as I say, of interest for you to to have a look at and uh, do that you know, offline or later. Uh, I'm just trying to get my computer to talk to me again. Isn't that sad? Head in the water. Uh, come on. Anyway, um, right. Now, another couple of things of interest off this, this topic for, for a second. Unless you, have you got questions about that before I get on to something else? No. Uh, go ahead. No. Uh, you know, they've been searching for King Solomon in the... Uh, uh, in Israel, trying to find evidence of his existence, and they have a project called the, the Walls of Jerusalem or the Jerusalem Walls, where they're excavating the old walls and recreating the the living structures or whatever religious structures, whatever they find in the area, for you know museum purposes. And what uh, what they found about three or four days ago was a a medallion that went to like a um, a lady's ring. And it's very well engraved. It was a, an expensive piece to make back in those days. It's about the size of a, mm, a fat dime or maybe a nickel, I guess a nickel. And they show that as some of the artifacts they've now discovered from the layer of the dig that is in the era of King Solomon. They've been trying since they got back to the Holy Land in, in 48 to find proof of where Solomon's temple was in, in the city of David now. They know that this ring they just found uh, is from that period and uh, from the the, uh, the type of Hebrew that was used on the the, the uh, medallion. But if you look that up on uh, on Google Earth, it might be of interest uh, to see what they've done there. And uh, oh goodness gracious, I'm trying to get my computer back while I'm talking to you, so I've got my notes on it, which are all dead at the moment. Isn't that amazing, computers? Gotta love them. At the worst time, I mean. Uh, yes, give me just a couple of seconds here. Okay. It seems to be letting me back in now. Oh, isn't that good? Hello. <laughs> Gotta talk to your computer. It gets sensitive if you don't, you know, and uh, does all these weird things. Okay. Uh, open Cup Mines, we've covered that. I'm going to see if I can get this article up. Nope. Still hating me. Let me just get in here and find out what's five four three two one. He said, "Do you think I can get this thing to even shut down?" Well, I'm mm. going to push the button, the panic button here, and bomb the computer. <laughs> it's got to oh. be a PC, right? Or Mac? Got to be. No, it's a Mac. It's a Mac. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess oh, I see what's happens. doing it. My Google Earth didn't like me. Oh. Okay. Come on, Google Earth. Let me bomb you. I am. I, <laughs> I'm trying. She's just talking about something else, and here I am trying to get my notes clear here. Okay. All right. <sighs> you just wiped out Saudi Arabia just now. <laughs> Hi. Like you, you just wiped out Saudi Arabia doing that. 
I did. I did. Yeah, Saudi Arabia is gone. Bang. Oh, and my yeah, computer I, just died. Okay, I'm trying to remember thing. what I was talking about tonight. Um, mm-hmm. uh, couple things. All right, a couple things. Uh, Holly was uh, showing me something. She's doing a research for her book on the uh, Russian planes that the the Iranians mm-hmm. are buying now. Um, the last few days, have reported they've been they've ordered a lot of fighter planes. The uh, Soviet Su. 30, I think it's a MDK or M- MD or something like that. Uh, a fantastic uh, bit of hardware. I was just looking at it when she was talking about it because it's got what's called canard wings. Um, and uh, the uh, the canard wings are little wings up at the front of the plane that come out, uh, well, originally they're, they're in fixed in place, but um, like with the Kitty Hawk airplane that the Wright brothers did, they had it up at the front. Uh, the, you know, these small wings to control the attitude of the aircraft. Um, but with this Russian one, they've got them so that they retract, they retract into the sides of the aircraft, and it's made an aircraft that is probably pretty hard for our guys to to match with our F-18s or probably even uh, F-21s or, or F-35s if they ever get those out. The problem is that these planes can darn near stop on a dime because the pilots have what's called fly-by-wire on them. Now, this is a plane that's going all over the Middle East. You know, they're, they're, the Algerians have got them, the Russians sold them to them, they've sold them to the Iranians. And these are the weapons of war that we've got to fight with over there. And one of the problems you have in a jet aircraft, a fighter aircraft, is that when you get into um, you know, dogfights, they're pretty short, quick type things, but uh, you can be spun out of control into a flat spin and you crash or eject because you can't get control of your aircraft. Well, these canard wings, if they're fixed, they're these little, like, mm, like the dinosaur, little tiny paws on T-Rex. Uh, they're those kind of little wings compared to the back legs of the T-Rex, which are the main wings in a plane. Um, if you can't adjust them for your, your current flight situation, your plane can go into a stall lock and it, it flat spin and, and you're gone. Um, but with the way they've done this with a fly-by-wire, they don't have a control stick that's actually mechanically linked to all the, the, the movable parts of the wings and stuff. They have digital controls that go out and move it. Now, to me, that seems pretty dangerous because if you've got only digital link to your equipment and that gets destroyed by an EMP or, you know, whatever, uh, you have no control of your aircraft and uh, hopefully you can eject uh, to get out. But anyway, that's what they've got. It's a fly-by-wire aircraft that you just move like a, a computer game. You move your little stick very easy, and the computer does all the instructions for you. Well, these SU-30s, 34s, 35s, or several of them in the series, uh, they they can move uh, vector their tailpipes left and right so that they can be coming along in straight angle and all of a sudden just turn a corner almost on a dime by angling their exhaust pods one way or the other, you know, left and right. Instead of doing it with ailerons, they can make a, a very quick turn or almost come to a dead stop and drop with these uh, these uh, vectored uh, energy flows from the, the the turbines there. So it makes it a very formidable aircraft. And to see Iran, you know, getting into this game now with um, the 150 billion dollars that we've uh, given to them, they've been buying what they want there: fleets of Airbuses and all kinds of weapons. And the whole Middle East is really kind of just about to explode with advanced weaponry that, you know, <laughs> uh, 
I guess our guys would be tickled uh, pink to get. If you look up that uh, Russian SU-30 and 34 series on the Internet, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's just uh, really quite uh, impressive. Hmm. I guess that's the, the best I can call it. It's impressive. Um, anyway, um, now I've got my computer back. The, the thing okay. is back up, and let me let me speak to it here. And let's go on to talk about... Um, sulfur dioxide and carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide levels on the earth that's the top row I didn't know yeah. this until someone pointed out but you can go into that program that I've given to you before you know where you plot the winds in real time on that null.com site mm-hmm. and it allows you to also draw uh, you know, pull the uh, the menu up and plot today's plot or, yesterday, or sometimes four days ago or sometimes the day before plot of the gas levels of various kinds <clears throat> on the surface of the earth you can even get sea surface temperatures and anomalies on it sadly i spent a couple of days this week trying to use this um this data these maps i can produce on that with the sea surface temperature anomalies to do the earthquake prediction i thought wow good stuff i found really high resolution forms of it and i could not make it work and i know that it's because the the navy was not only using sea surface temperature anomalies, they in their data they were collecting, they were getting data on electric fields at the Earth's surface. And those electric field data were somehow affecting what I saw in the, um, the sea surface temperature anomalies. Uh, they were they were mixed together in the, in the work they were doing. So anybody else's sea surface temperature analysis doesn't help much, sadly, but that's what it is. Anyway, sulfur dioxide levels... Um, you know, look for sulfur dioxide normally over industrial areas. If you notice that first one, blow it up. It's uh, It shows China is a big offender, which is really no surprise. They have no really good pollution controls. And it goes into a loop out into the North Pacific. And if you look at the little arrows where they're moving or where they, they would move, this is a frozen picture, you see it forms a loop going around off the shore there and feeding another loop, feeding into our northwest coast. Uh, helping us get some of their stuff. It goes on land and then mixes with our industrial sulfur dioxide byproducts over in the New England states. In fact, you know, east of the Mississippi looks like we're uh, we're fairly good polluter there, not as bad as China by any means. That's because they're doing all of our construction or manufacturing over there instead of letting us do it and have jobs and whatever, to quote Trump, I guess. Um, next map over is the carbon dioxide and uh, the carbon dioxide again is uh, some of it, of it related to manufacturing again you can see that over in China and off of our New England coast up uh, above New York near Maine I don't know why we've got a high concentration of carbon dioxide there but we do uh, again it's a map to watch you can watch it every day and you can dial back days uh, in fact uh, a lot of days sometimes years ahead or behind rather to compare situations uh, to what you see now. Sorry, was I seeing that carbon dioxide down that map? It's carbon monoxide we were looking at, I think. Yeah, you yeah, said carbon, carbon monoxide, monoxide uh, at the yeah. beginning. Yeah, uh, carbon yeah, monoxide is number two. Yeah, the uh, yeah the thing on the carbon monoxide. There was a, a scare last week. I think it was. Remember about the the huge imprint on the west coast of, of California? Mm-hmm. Think a big earthquake yep. was coming. You remember that? Yeah, very we talked much. about yep. it, dear. Yep. Yep. Oh, Joe, you weren't there though. Okay. Anyway, no, but my dad filled me in. Um, yep. You found that it was a it was a, a, a glitch malfunction on the equipment. Yeah. 
and and they've corrected that now. Then and things seem to be averaging out okay. But it, um, there are papers out there on the internet talking about uh, serious research being done with the release of carbon dioxide before a major quake. This is really good information uh, if you can get rid of the background. In other words, if I took a picture of it today at this resolution and tomorrow took a picture of it and subtracted the two like I used to do with uh, the sea surface temperature maps, um, there would be a little a deviation, an increase in carbon dioxide that you wouldn't see on this map because all you're seeing here is the actual carbon uh, monoxide for that time of day, that date. And so you've got to go back you know, several hours or a day or two before that, get the same picture, overlay them, subtract them, and get the subtle differences, the increases or decreases in carbon monoxide on the planet. And that's the next step I'm going to be trying to see uh, if the increase in carbon monoxide levels is so subtle that you need a very fine window of, of change to see it, not like these red and black uh, dots here and the, the creamy-looking stuff, because those are heavy concentrations of carbon monoxide, um, which, as, as I was saying, that that's being done in, in China and being passed over to us by the uh, currents and sea breezes that uh, work with us, sadly. But anyway, that's the way it is. Okay, and then the other one uh, was the uh, carbon dioxide, uh, which was uh, the brownish-red map. And I found this unusual in that the majority of the carbon dioxide being produced on the planet right now is in the southern hemisphere. And I, you know, I know plants love carbon dioxide, but why would we we'd be seeing all this carbon dioxide, which is a product of breathing, you know, and metabolism? Why would we sell that in the southern hemisphere and not in the north? I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, and if you look look at Africa, I mean, Africa has got huge amounts of carbon dioxide, really dense over in the northeast side and all into the center of it. And so, uh, sorry, in Southern Africa and also in South America, same thing. Those two are really heavy in carbon dioxide production. I just have no idea why. Anyway, hmm. that's something I'll be pursuing uh, in uh, future dates uh, to uh, share with folks and see you know, what is happening. Uh, there's no way that could be seasonal, right? I mean, excuse my Well, I wondered about that. I wondered about that. Hmm. Yeah, I did. I, I don't know whether it is seasonal or not. Um, I think, I don't know, have you tried to download that map I was showing you, that color map of, of uh, all of Africa in 3D? Um, I haven't tried yet. Yeah, if we did, we, we don't, we don't want to disrupt our network. Um all right, well, I'll, I'll continue you know. telling you about it, but uh, when you do get it down later, in that area that I said was the Garden of Eden, oh, sorry, it was Eden, the land of Eden, not the garden. Yes. Uh, if you look at that, you will see, uh, without 3D glasses or anything, this is all just elevation shadowed, uh, you will see what I'm talking about, this, this area that is really kind of like a, an egg shape, <laughs> strangely enough, and that's the, the land of Eden with a huge water source right in the middle of it. Almost makes you wonder... If, you know, there was some large mm, volcanic thing underneath all that that pushed it up or dropped it down, and we're seeing the rim of a large caldera or something, it's just, you know, I don't know. Anyway, it, it's fun to look at, and as I say, it's worth the effort to download it to your computer later and have a look at, you know, uh, why it's so easy for me, anyway, to see that where the Garden of Eden is in Goro, there is a clear path cut right through the dirt, straight down into uh, the Gulf 
uh, well, to, to the Red Sea there at the, at the uh, Gulf of Aden uh, at Djibouti in Ethiopia. You can see how it split Saudi Arabia's southern tip off of northeast Africa there. Um, it, it's just easy to see uh, when you get this map. And I, the reason I put it up at such high resolution is to allow you to see where riverbeds were and well, some still are. Uh, and that's where the ancient flows came from. The, the, the uh, three of the four rivers of Eden, or the Garden of Eden, were cutting through the dirt here. It just make, it proves my point heavily. <coughs> Man, very rich in imagery, folks. Uh, check it out at uh, standale.com. The images, the show images, and also on YouTube here, uh, you're, you're seeing. Yeah. My goodness. We only have a minute and a half or so left, Stan. I see, going back to your Africa and South America used to be connected. What made you uh, twist to that angle? Because, you know, it looks like it would fit better in, with the uh, South America fitting into the, the pocket of West Africa. But you it kind might. of twisted that. It might. It might. Uh, I, I've tried that in showing people what I was doing to, to try to make this work. You're talking about rotating... Um, Africa probably to the right a bit and then shoving yeah. it into the coast. Uh, certainly that might work. I was looking to try to figure out where the rivers came out, uh, you know, where these mystery rivers came from in northwest Africa that they found underneath, you know, underneath oh, the sand okay. there. And I was looking at the, the deltas off of the coast of Africa on the northwest side where you had like floodplains and stuff where it might have been an area that led into another area of lakes. Um, if I put these together the way you're talking about, and I have done that, uh, in that image you see there of Africa, the, the whole piece of it, you see some islands uh, dropping down in the sea there at that little point where you could shove Africa in there. That would mean that these floodplains uh, disappeared under the water uh, on that side and didn't seem to connect to the mountain ranges that are there in that terrain. They don't seem to, to match, but, you know. There could be stuff under the sea, you know, under sea level there that uh, would do that. Anyway, I'll, I'll look at that next week. We'll see what we find. Stan, we're, we're going to have to take a pass on next week. We're going to be in Dallas. Well, maybe not. We'll let you know. Okay, what's happening in uh, Dallas? Uh, we have a conference, conference next week. Okay, all right. I, I think we're getting right. close to the gong time, guys. Until next time, Stan. God bless. Have a God bless you guys. Time. All right. Night-night. <laughs>